Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Women wrapped up in blankets and they're looking for food. It's the saddest thing I've ever witnessed. Trust is a human emotion. And for some reason, we've embedded trust in social media. I thought about you, but I did get it because you've given us so much airtime. Thank you so much. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Well, no, I wasn't at all surprised to see interest in that demonstration yesterday at CUMH about changes in the rules on home birth after we gave a lot of coverage to that particular story on the Opinion Line last week, Thursday and Friday and we were inundated with correspondence and I have lots of it to get back to which I will but the turnout yesterday at that protest outside CUMH was very, very big there was several hundred people Several hundred people there, according to most reports. And you know where you see a picture on social media and you kind of think, right, that's taken out from an angle where it looks absolutely great. But then I saw another one and another one and another one. This huge crowd, absolutely enormous crowd. So big interest in it. And as I said, I will return to the uh, correspondence. But will I start it now? I will actually. Here's one that came into us, right? Sharon was in touch with us about it. By the way, good morning. Sorry, I got totally in, in, into my stride there very, very quickly. Dirty, manky, filthy, horrible, wet Monday morning. And some of the parking apps aren't working. So you could end up get take a screenshot. If you're trying to park your car on one of those apps this morning and you can't, take a screenshot of trying uh, so that if you have to appeal the ticket, you'll have something to go on. But some of them aren't working. Bit of panic in here in the office. My one worked about 10 to 9, but somebody else's didn't. So if you get caught on that this morning, they charge enough for it, like. They charge you enough to top it up. They charge it. They're still charging a euro to top it up. And they're still charging 20 quid for the, or 20 euro, 20 cents rather. No, 20 cents. For the pleasure of a, 
whatchamacallit, a text message. Oh yeah, details this morning as well. Details this morning of the 10k toy giveaway. We're filling your Christmas with fun and play because the 10k toy giveaway is back. Uh, We're giving away loads and loads of 500 euro shopping sprees. Free. We'll get the details this morning at quarter past eight with KC and Ross and we start the winning from Monday 14th for your chance to text a WhatsApp in to win. Cork's 96FM 10K toy giveaway. Listen and win from next Monday only on Cork's 96FM. More on that uh, throughout the course of the morning and throughout the course of the week with so much fun with it last week. But that was a very big protest uh, yesterday outside uh, CUMH. And just one of the notes that we got... We've got many, many pages of them here. This is from Sharon. She said, we need people to know this proposal isn't about safety. It's about taking away choice for women all over Ireland to birth wherever they feel safest and wherever they want to. Who else's decision should that be? Only the mother. It'll take away one-to-one midwife care for over six months, which is one of the main reasons we choose to plan a home birth. It'll take away two weeks home, bedside, postnatal care with your midwife who knows you, your baby and your family. It'll take away the education provided to women for as long as they need by their own midwife at each antenatal visit in their home. It'll increase the risk of birthing our babies at the side of the road en route to the hospital from rural parts of the country when we're urged by the midwife to make contact with to stay at home as long as you can. You'll be fine. It's not based on evidence. The midwives and experts have not even been consulted about this proposal. It was snuck in and now we have to fight it. It's about choice. Come on, Ireland. We're all born. It should concern us all, this power being exerted over us. That's just one of quite a number of um, very concerned and angry and upset. Like pages and pages of them here. And I'll get to as many as I can of them uh, over the couple of hours we're here today 700 people were told attended that protest on a manky Sunday on a dirty manky November Sunday 700 people got up and went to the trouble of protests, protesting which was impressive to say the very very least now speaking of protests there was another one on Saturday a protest by parents and students who are against the merger of two Northside schools. These are St. Vincent's and North Prez. And this we've been talking about on the Opinion Line now for a couple of weeks. We talked on the 7th of October. Was it back yet? 7th of October. We were talking to Councillor Tony Fitzgerald about this and about how, shall we say, opposition had been brewing for a while. The amalgamation process comes, of course, after a consultation that, as I said earlier, that ran for nearly a year. At what point was the co-ed idea put out there? Like, do people know with the last 12 months that this was on the table or is it new? Well, you see, the schools, the geographical area close close by, of course, is the North Monastery and then the North President Farnery, which are excellent schools as well. Um, and, of course, they have decided to go co-ed as, uh, as well as part of the process, but independently of that, as well as I understand. Um, and that's fine. Like, that's, mm. you know, that, that those schools are entitled to no, do no, that. No, no, no. The, 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 the question was, uh, if you know, you know, at, during the consultation process, 
that ran mm. for nearly a year between mm. or about North President Vincent's. Was it mentioned at any stage that Coed was on the table? Oh, it was. It it okay. was. But if you remember, if you remember that there was protests and you know meetings held at Saint Vincent's Secondary School, that you know that there needed to be a choice, and the choice was for girls if they wanted to attend uh, an all-girls school on the, on, on the north side, because there is a choice across the city, but there now isn't a choice uh, on the north side. And I think that voice just needs to be heard, PJ. Um, how that's managed is another story. Okay, that's Tony Fitzgerald speaking to me uh, last month on the opinion line. Audrey, you were one of the organisers of this protest on Saturday morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. What is upsetting people most about this proposed merger? Well, at the moment right now, it's the speed of the process. Okay? My daughter has just gone into first year in Davidson Secondary School. And when we went to the opening day last year, there was nothing coming up. We weren't told anything about amalgamation. So my daughter's gone in. So a lot of this now was new to me as well. So I had to do a lot of homework over the weekend for this, okay? But the, the speed of the process is totally wrong. They're giving us seven months. Yeah. We were informed at a meeting last Wednesday week in the school that the trustees of the school had signed and sealed that the school was to close on June the 2nd, 2023. Mm-hmm. Now, PJ, in all fairness, the uniforms were bought. And you know a lot of parents out there who have to struggle to get uniforms. And we tried to get a uniform bigger to do for about two years. Sure. There's no name on the school. And to be fair, the building won't even be ready for August 2023. Yeah. It won't. There's 300 students then coming up from St. Vincent's up to North Pred Secondary School. And they're going to go to modular classrooms, which is only a posh name, basically, for... Prefabs. The prefabs. They're a bit posher than the prefabs I was in school in, and probably you were, but, yeah, prefabs. You know what I mean? It's like we're going into 2023. Yeah. But, I one question... I also understand that, okay, now, this has nothing got to do with enrolment either, PJ, but I do also understand that families are actually, you know, we're not having big families anymore. Maybe three is maybe the most that people are having right now. Do you know what I mean? But it's just the fact that it's just, they need to slow down this process. We need to be able to get the chance to speak to the trustees of the school. Mm-hmm. We need to see them face to face. And like, like we need, there's so, we have so many questions, but we have no answers. Yeah. It's it just, what's been striking that. me as, as strange is that we okay. hear that all of this is after a consultation process. Now, if, if, what, what, what were they talking about and, who were they talking to? If you're telling me, Audrey, and I believe you, you only found out a couple of weeks ago. My daughter came home from school on a Wednesday, I think it was about a week and a half before they got their midterm, and she said, Ma'am, um, I have something to say to you. I know I thought she was asking in trouble, but she says, Ma'am, the school is closing. And I said, Yeah, your midterm is next week. She says, No, the school is actually closing for good. And I was like, oh, Not at all. I said, You know yourself, no PJ. Yeah. And, um, but then she says, uh, no, ma'am, it's closing. And then my niece rang me and she said, Audrey, say, Vincent's actually closing next year. I was like, this, why, how? The amalgamation. And the following day, North Presentation had sent out letters to their, the parents of the students in the school 
stating that the amalgamation will be going ahead next year. Now, we were, we were only trying to digest that the school was closing in St. Vincent's. Nice. Just like that. Boom. Not a second thought. So, so, who were they talking to in these famous consultations? And what on earth were they talking about? Peter, genuine, genuine question, isn't it? The questions that you are asking me right now is the exact questions we are asking ourselves. Now, they did sign off and we did find that um, the Minister for Education, Norma Foley, she signed it off then. Not even a question asked. about the, They didn't even go to the students to hear their, their voices. What do they want? Yeah. It's... It's just, you know, it's just like, oh, well, that's grand. We just shot St. Vincent's School like that. It's the ch- and again, it's like, we oh, have What's happening to the St. Vincent's premises, the building, the land? What's happening to that? Well, what we're hearing is the, the nuns are taking the land back. And that St. Vincent's secondary building will not be knocked, but there will be building apartment, apartments inside it. Ah. Yeah. Mm. No, again... That's what we're hearing. Yeah, that's unverified well, now. It's just a rumour. Yeah. Yeah, well, we don't know, but yeah. there's no smoke without fire. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, as you know, there is, you know, if you can go back there to March, um, about the, was, there was an episode on RT there about the the dirty laundries. Oh, yeah. And, you know, about the, there was four religious congregations involved in oh, running. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's, there has been... Um, yeah. You know, we, I, I, I guess... I don't probably, want to prob- up, but they're no, actually... We, we, we don't know what's going to happen. Well, we don't, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen, double. I guess, with the St. Yeah. Vincent complex. It's probably the best way to put it. For There are all sorts of rumours flying around. I even heard more myself over the weekend. Best not to pin our hat to Anthem for now until we find out what... But what, what you get at, as a parent, you feel you've been totally sidewinded here. Oh, Definitely. Definitely. Like, there should be more consultation with the pupils and the parents and staff who are doing amazing work. Like, there's a lair hub inside in the school, PJ. And I think at the moment, there's 24 students attending the lair hub. And, oh, my God, I was talking to three mothers over the weekend, and I wanted to know more about the lair hub, do you know? And, like, there's one woman in particular, um, she'd a daughter, and in primary school, the child was, wasn't doing well in primary school. She was failing her subjects. Now, she did say that I had permission to say this off the radio. But she said since she went into St. Vincent Secondary School, she said her child is confidence has gone through the roof. She is now getting 80% in her math. She's getting 79% in English. Yeah. And now the teachers are asking her to consider whether she'll do honours in her junior cert next year. I think that speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah. Another woman whose daughter was diagnosed with autism a couple of months ago, you know, she said the, the interaction that the teachers have with the students and the parents. Like, they're, like, she's, like, they're in contact with her every single day. They're letting her know, oh, my God, she's flying. Oh, my God, she's done very well now in this subject. She's doing great in this subject. And it's every single day. She's at ease at home knowing that her daughter has been extremely well looked after. And and as a a parent affected by this kind of thing, once you have a good place, you hold on to it. and And you understand, Peter, that children that come under the spectrum. Yeah. They're, they, they're so used to their routine. And it's not just routine, it's, it's their place. And we are extremely happy, and they're taking that away from us. Yeah. 
Do you think, Audrey, there's any chance at this stage that there could be a rethink for a while? Well, we are hoping. Now, if the mothers, our numbers were strong last Saturday going on the march, but we do need more numbers. We're calling on past pupils as well. Past, staff that, like, even teachers that taught me, because I am also a past pupil of savings in secondary schools. Um, but what I do need is, we need to see the trustees. Now, we have been kindly asked by Councillor Tony Fitzgerald to attend a meeting in the City Hall on Monday, the 14th of November. Nice. And so, so we're just going to make a call on the trustees, like, just to, um, just, you know, just to slow down the process, talk to us. Like we said, the, the question I keep asking, and at the risk of repeating myself, but yes, I am, like, if all this consultation was going on, what were they talking about and who were they talking to? Because they certainly weren't talking to the parents. And they weren't talking to the staff? Oh, no. Staff no, had no idea. No, they were informed. When my right. daughter came home on that Wednesday or Thursday to say that the school was closed, they were only informed the night before. Okay, I'll do. I'll leave it there for now. This is one that's going to go on and on. I think uh, June twenty-three is the proposed closure date, but a lot of people want that put back for a while. Whether it'll happen, who knows? Uh, Susan was on. I'm not good at speaking publicly, but this is my opinion. My daughter is a second-year pupil at St Vincent Secondary School. She loves every second of it. Have our children not been through enough in the last couple of years with all the disruption to their education? As a parent, I feel completely blindsided by this decision. I feel my freedom of choice to send my daughter to an all-girls school has been taken away from me. I would have to wonder if there's a hidden agenda behind this decision. On a side note, I'm absolutely furious that the Sisters of Charity, who currently don't educate our daughters, feel they can dictate their future educational needs. Thank you, Susan. This is a conversation that is going to go on and on, I think, 0818-969696 Here at Cork's 96FM We're celebrating our 7 Imro Radio Awards We won gold for Best Breakfast Show Silver for Best Entertainment Presenter Best Radio DJ And Best News Story Bronze for Music Station of the Year Radio Moment of the Year And Best Interactive Speech Program Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening from your Imro award-winning station. Corks 96 FM. I started by mentioning that protest at CUMH yesterday, which we covered in a lot of detail on Thursday and Friday. And I know for me, and I can only speak for myself, but for me, there was an incredible amount of learning in those two days about the whole home birth thing and how it's done and how it's set up and how it's managed and how it's so, so safe and so, so well organised. I had I learned so much in those two days as we spoke about the protest. And then Cara, just, who was one of the organisers and was on with me, I think, Friday, uh, sent one, this message this morning. I just switched on the radio there on the way back from my school run and I can hear PJ has begun the show mentioning yesterday's protest. Thank you so much again. We had several hundred people, as he said, show up yesterday. The energy was just wonderful. It was just an outpouring of love and gratitude for the service and for our midwives. So, fantastic. Thank you so much for even more airtime today. We couldn't be more delighted. You're more than welcome, Cara. Thanks for that. And if you ever want to send us a message like that, 083 396 96 96. If you don't have time for a call, you can always send us a voice message. Speaking of an outpouring of love and kindness and niceness, there was an incredible night 
last night at uh, the Opera House. I wasn't there because I couldn't get a ticket. There wasn't a ticket to be had that were as rare as hen's teeth. It sold out in, I think at the time we figured about 14 minutes. There was Christy Moore playing a special night at the Opera House last night for the Cork Life Centre and in honour, of course, not just of the Life Centre, but specifically in honour of Don O'Leary. Don doesn't want anybody saying it was specifically in honour of Don O'Leary. Well, tough luck, my friend, because that's exactly what it was about. It was a sold-out night. It was a night of love and affection and fun and song and music. And it was a magnificent night for the Life Centre and all proceeds going as well. Uh, so if you were at that last night, a very rare night and a rare rare, just a rare moment um, and I sent Don a little uh, text message last night just to say look revel in this well deserved moment and I believe it was fantastic Christy has now announced this now you couldn't have a marquee without Christy, it kind of wouldn't be the marquee without Christy Moore, well Christy Moore is back live at the marquee, Saturday June 17th, 2023 just confirmed this morning by Aiken Promotions tickets on sale on Thursday alright, I need to watch my time because I'm doing an awful lot of talking, right uh, the primetime programme last Thursday night was another one on the uh, incineration of organs, the retention of babies' organs and they're sending to Belgium to be incinerated. It's a scandal that broke last summer when I spoke to Leona Birmingham and indeed spoke to Leona only recently because they're still waiting on a report and they're still waiting on legislation and the families who were hugely affected by this uh, are just upset all the time. One such family is Laura and Fintel Kelleher. Now they live in Australia and they lost a baby Hope in uh, 2019 and Hope and her parents are caught up in this and have been and they only discovered it at the very last minute and now they've set up a petition to try to get something done to make sure it never happens again Laura and Finton thank you very much for joining me from your home in Perth in Australia good morning to you both Laura I will I will start with you. Um, tell me about when a baby Hope was born. So, um, um, on the 31st of um, October, um, we got the sad news that, that her heart had stopped. Mm. And then on the 3rd of um, November, we gave birth to um, baby Hope. Um, after that, we um, we signed uh, a form um, to send hope for a postmortem. Yeah. Um, just to to figure out that, let's say, if we were to have another baby again, that we knew what guidelines to take. So, after delivering hope, um, she went for a postmortem, and we signed forms stating like any organs that would be buried in. In holy ground, yeah. Um, never did we think down the line that we would be going through what we're going through now. Yes. Um, that if we did, that we just—I wouldn't have sent for a postmortem. I wouldn't have have gone through it at all. When you consented to the postmortem, were you given an understanding of the procedure or what would happen to her organs or what? Honestly, like all I knew was that we'll say once once the organs were were ready to 
like once they had finished the examination that they would do what what we required at the end of the day yeah. that to be buried in a in a holy ground that so I suppose way. PJ but, um, yeah. yes Fintan so when we filled in the six sheet form um, so as the day that we lost um, say hope right okay um, and um, so we both went through it together and we so both decided to uh, actually um, to give consent to send to baby hope for a post-mortem so we knew that there could be organs that she retained yes but what um, so what we did agree for and um, written in that form was that after they were finished testing with um, certain organs, they would be re- uh, either returned to um, us or they would be buried in the holy graveyard belonging to the hospital. Yes, yes. But in this kind of stuff, like you're not, we're not, sh- we weren't sure at the time. Like it was, it's just. You were devastated anyway at the loss of your beautiful yeah. child, and you're you're trying to take it all in. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, it must be desperately hard. I can't possibly imagine what it must be like. So, see, yes, Pinton. The hardest thing for us after that was um, so we knew we had to return back to Australia, right? Um, so initially, we had only flown actually home in um, so August. She surprised the family when Laura was pregnant. And then when the pregnancy went actually wrong, um, Laura had to spend the time in actually hospital. I was flying over and actually back. But... Um, the both of us together um, so returned in to January 2020. Yes. And we were still waiting for results of the post-mortem. Prior to that, um, we buried um, so Hope in our local so town de Manway in the graveyard. And then so we returned actually back here, by which we had been waiting and waiting. There was no um, post-mortem results, nothing. Yes. Did you know, or had you been told, guys, what had happened? No. 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 So when, we- when did you find that out, guys? We found out um, through social media. Right. And um, the day it had aired on um, primetime. Yeah, that documentary went out. I've spoken to Leona Birmingham a couple of times. She took part in it. When, Fintan, were you notified that the documentary was to, be go- was to go out, yeah? We were told um, on the phone call that came to Laura the day of the documentary, like you have a time difference between Ireland and um, Australia, right? We were led to believe there was a primetime programme, but at no given time were we told it was to do with our little baby hope, to do with organs that had been incinerated and sent as clinical waste to Belgium. So you had no idea? No no idea idea whatsoever. That hope was caught up in this? Yeah. We only found yeah. out when, um, so with the time difference, um, basically just before it aired, okay, it's amazing. Um, all this information started flooding into our email inbox. All of a sudden, the post-mortem results got sent to us one hour before this program went to prime time. And we got three emails in a row in this documentation. Myself and Laura said, what is this all about? And it wasn't until next morning, here Australian time, which would be night time after the programme was aired in Ireland, yeah. that on that programme there was a list of dates. And myself and Laura looked at each other and we goes, that is the date of Hope's post-mortem. So we were absolutely devastated. We had to ring the hospital and say, what is this about? 
is this got to do with her little baby hope? You had no idea that your little girl, your beautiful little child, has been caught up in all of this. Laura, can I talk to you for a second about how that felt to find that out? It's just... I had no words. I couldn't... I couldn't... I couldn't speak. I was just... It felt like... It was just a dream that I needed to wake up. Like, even about the postmortem, like, to be just sent the post, Like, to find out this through social media of what happened to our baby girl. And then to get a postmortem with no explanation, no nothing. It was just... They've, they've treated us completely wrong, PJ. And at the given time, right, you can imagine, this was in the middle of um, COVID actually lockdown here in Perth in actually Western Australia. We couldn't fly home, and it was like reliving the loss of hope um, all over again. Sure. At, le- at least when we lost hope, we had family, we had friends to actually um, help us through it. This time... It was like reliving it again, only the only difference is we were stuck in actually COVID lockdown and could not leave the country where we could be around family and friends to actually support us, which was very, very hard. I'd say it was. I'd say it like was. I can't very imagine. empty. We couldn't even go down to the grave or anything. It. We just felt trapped that we needed to, like, felt like that we were after leaving her down by sending her what? for a postmortem and then just stuck in a country knowing that a part of her was sent to a different country that we had nothing to do with. As you can imagine, PJ, um, Hope was buried in, say, the Manway. Her parents were stuck in actually lockdown in Western Australia and parts of her were scattered as clinical waste in Belgium, which we still have not given, been given any clarification. We still have no exact information. We don't know the true story. Yeah. We don't know anything. Since, since that happened and since that documentary, and I've spoken, as I said, more than once with Leona Birmingham, I've always been saying, you know, that didn't just happen. That was signed off on. Somebody signed off on it. Somebody brought it to a meeting. It's on a memo somewhere that this decision was made to take the organs from your beautiful little girl and indeed other children and just send them away. That was signed off on. Do you guys want to know who did that and why? Would would knowing that help at all? Oh, yes. Yeah. We cannot get uh, We need answers. We definitely need answers. Like, we can't keep going the way we're going and the poor families before us are still going like they need to stop it they need to stop what they're doing they need to stop it they they just need to stop this pj i suppose the question i have to ask is how far how much hurt does the people of ireland have to suffer before the minister for health will do something about it and put a stop and change it from being just guidelines to passing the bill. Yeah. How many more families does it have to affect? Yes. It's it's not just these immediate families. It's still going on. Even since we found out from this program on Thursday night, we're finding out that there's other families. Um, it still actually happens to them every day of the week. So why is the Minister for Health delaying this? So why won't he to wake up and actually represent his constituents and um, 
say, put some legislation in place yeah. to stop this happening to the families. In this day and age, people shouldn't be suffering like this. Yeah, you're dealing a lot with uh, Senator Tim Lombard here at home, and he's pushing this matter for you, and he tackled the Minister about it recently. That, Like you say, the bill is there on a shelf gathering dust. It would be a powerful piece of legislation were it to be brought in. But it's not being brought in. Why is that? Why will he not... What is the hold-up? Why are we being left waiting and left suffering every day, waiting for a report and hoping that some good might come of this, that they do, a bill can be passed and it, it will never happen to anybody moving forward? Yeah, it won't change what happened to you. But it could change to the next person. Like, we don't have to sit down, turn on the TV and see somebody else suffering. It's going to keep on happening until there's guidelines put in place and they need to do it now. There's no getting through it until we get answers and we know that this is never going to happen again. We can't move forward until we know what happened to our baby and for it to not happen again. And until they do something, we can't get closure. Yeah. And it's even harder here that to be here, we can't even go to the grave. At least it would stop it happening to somebody else if the yeah. bill was signed. See, PJ, did she hear, like, Primetime's programme was aired on, on the November day, say, 3rd. That was Hope's anniversary. And for us to hear on the anniversary, that given day, for us to have to look at another programme to see other people still being hurt. Surely somebody is humane enough that they can put a stop to this and that somebody is accountable for their actions in this day and age. Yeah. This is another prime time last week and it went out on her anniversary, on her birthday. On the anniversary. And why, like, we're only hearing everything, second-hand information. If there's new information coming to light, why not pre-warn the family so we don't have to find out every bit of information over here through social media and it adds to the heart. At least show some support to the families and tell them, right, okay, there's another primetime program. Oh, so dear Lord, you you only knew, you didn't, no, nobody told you that the program last week was nothing, coming up on her, on her birthday. Nothing. We didn't find out. We, we had got a snippet that there was some primetime program. We had to watch again. And myself and Laura... Where the HSC cried. could have had the decency... To, to just give us some bit of information, to just let us know what happened. Let us know instead of, hap- instead of watching it on TV. Yeah. It is only two months ago we received an email, right? Back in June, we were told the report was ready. And we were told that it had to be legally, um, due to legal reasons, it could not be released. We now received, two months ago in September, we received another email saying that the report is now um, officially ready, but they need to be careful the way that they give it to the families that everyone needs to receive it at the same time. Two months later, and we still have no report. Yeah. How long more are they going to make us suffer? If the report is ready, please let us know. So... At least we can find out some bit of information what happened truly to our little baby. 
And to have that report complete and sitting there, and for some reason you're not able to see it, that adds to the hurt. It's everything it does, it's... has been, it is wrong. Something needs to change. Do you know, it also strikes me that were it not for the documentary, we would never have found out. We are so grateful to Iona for actually having the courage and the strength to stand up and actually speak on the initial documentary. Otherwise, we would not have found out anything. We would never, never have found out. And coming back to the start of the story, guys, when poor little Hope passed away, you were quite willing to say, look, okay, have a post-mortem, do what you need to do, please find out what happened to our gorgeous little girl because maybe it might prevent it happening to somebody else or maybe we can learn from that information as to our future family. You'd no problem in the start cooperating with the post-mortem process. So what we had agreed was myself and Clara, we knew we were coming back to, to Australia. So we agreed that we would, that Hope's little organs, when they would be got back, we had agreed with the bereavement um, officer from the hospital that they would be secretly buried in the, the graveyard. Yes. So myself and Laura, we both said it, that that would always become a sacred place. Myself and actually Laura as, as, a, as a place we could go to grieve. Like another Hope. grave. Yes. But now, how can we go to Belgium? So what part of Belgium? So what dump do we go to? So what incineration plant do we go to? Where do we go to? How do we find the rest of our little hope? God, Fintan, when you put it like that, man. When you put it like that. Every day we are suffering. And it's getting harder. As the days go on, it is getting harder for Laura and myself. So please, can the Minister for Health wake up? and stop families suffering. My God, that, that, that hits like a sledgehammer when you, when you say that. And that's the, that's the harsh reality of it. At the end of the day, do you think, either of you, that we'll come to a point where the families will be able to at least say, well, now we know what happened and we know why it happened. And most important, for me, I think, I've been saying this since day one on the programme, we need to know who it was that signed off on this and what yes. do you want to know who that person is definitely yes. we, just, we want some information give us something that we know what happened we have nothing we urge the people to actually sign the actual petition and support us for the sake of every person that it never again happens going forward we've started a, a petition with the help yeah. of Tim yeah. Lombard yes. yes and we urge every person to just put their name to it. The more signatures we just can... Just sign and share because we need this to stop. Like, we, it can't happen again. Just, it needs to stop. After this programme, I hope that people can look up the link and if as many people can sign it and um, to get behind the say, families and even previous say, families, the way we can, for once and for all, change it from just being regulations to being law, that people are responsible for their inhumane actions. We'll share it on all of our platforms, guys, at this end.
So thank you, PJ. And thank you for joining me from your home in, in Perth. Do you get back much, guys? Have you been back since? Well, obviously, with lockdown, you haven't. But will you be back anytime soon? So we'll be back again in um, April, PJ. Yeah. Well, hopefully by then you might have some kind of a, an answer as to what happened. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you very much. Thank you, PJ. Thank you. Thanks, lads. That's uh, Laura and Finton uh, in Perth. Doesn't it hit you the way he says that? Like they were told that they could go and visit like another grave, sacred ground, where little baby Hope's organs would be buried. But what dump do you go to? What incineration plant do you go to? Where in Belgium do you even go to? To try to mourn your little girl. That, that that hits you for six, actually, so it does. Yeah, change.org is where they've got that uh, petition. And it's we, we've shared it, I think, or we're going to share it on our social this morning. And they had a few hundred, a few hundred um, signatures so far. Uh, Senator Tim Lombard mentioned in that conversation. Tim, morning. Morning, PJ. Um, when Finton says that, it would knock the legs out from under you, wouldn't it? That's shocking. It's probably the worst scenario you could ever have in life, you know. Um, obviously, they've been through a really traumatic affair, terrible stuff altogether. Not alone did they lose their little baby, but their organs were handled in such an appalling way. It's frightening. Um, and your heart grows them. Um, they're over in Australia. They're a great couple with West Cork groups. And it's just tragic, the whole scenario. And... Like the report that they're talking about, like it should have been published months ago yes. and just never happened. But the legislation for this was actually come out for a report that Mary Harney published when she was Minister for Health in 2005. And we've been waiting for 2005 for them to put in primary legislation. 17 years. Like you couldn't write this stuff. And now we have like 18 families so badly affected. More stuff happening on RT last time. And, and more, Tim, more, because I know one family that I know in particular that the last time this came up, when I first spoke to Leona Birmingham, this woman that I know rang me out of the blue and said, hey, that happened to me. Yeah, and like, just as misappropriate of unbelievable, sensitive information, which is so important for these people to get closure. And uh, it's very hard to verbalise, actually, and, you know, we've done several Zoom calls with these people. They're wonderful people. Like, and they're so, they're over in Australia trying to live their lives, but still trying to get closure. Yeah, you wonder, like, you wonder will they ever get it, and you're not happy. I and mean, look, you're a Fine Gael senator. You're in the government, one of the government parties, Tim. You can't push it. You're no, but I've, I've raised this several times. And, like, I think if you look at their... Petition. It's such a brave petition. Number one, for what they're asking for, but for, number two, for the photograph they used. Yes, it's right. just such a powerful image. It is. Like, and I just think we're all parents. We're all tied into this. Like, if you can do anything in public life, you try to push this one forward. Right. And like, they had so many false dawns here. And I just think that the petition is a great idea. More pressure we put on government to just embarrass them to do something here. Tim, Seventeen years later, not good enough. Can we ever know? And I don't know whether we can or not. Someone had to sign this off. Can we ever know who that person was? You'd like to hope that we will. I think I'd be an optimistic person by heart. I'd like to think that we will find out exactly who signed it off because there has to be accountability here. And I, like, when you read or you listen to the actual RT primetime stuff, 
I think there's an underlying thread there that isn't published yet, but I just think that'll come out in time. Okay, we'll watch, we'll watch you with, with, with great interest, Tim. Listen, can I touch on something else with you briefly? And it's, it's like a first world problem compared to this, but it's, a, it's one that's come up regularly on our programme in the last few weeks. We took loads of calls from people about the state of the 226, the Kinsale bus. It was supposed to go double-decker on the 1st of November. I don't believe it has yet. There's a meeting now tonight in Kinsale. Yeah, look, I've called the public meeting out of pure frustration regarding this one. Look, uh, the 226 is a really used service from Kinsale to Cork. Um, it actually goes Kinsale to Cork via the actual business park at the airport. So it's a service in particular at uh, summertime is really busy. Uh, capacity is a huge problem there. But the bigger issue here in many ways is the location of the bus stop inside in Cork City at the moment. Yes, which was no moved, shelter. People get grounded which was moved in January 2021 with no consultation in the middle of COVID. And when people got back to their normal reality, they realised that this bus shelter or this bus stop wasn't in the bus stop. It was actually in Clontarf Street. No shelter whatsoever. And do you know what? There's a safety issue here. People weren't happy there, waiting for minutes or hours for a bus. They just hadn't the actual safety at the actual bus station itself. So... We've been trying to talk to the MTA about this on a continuous basis. Yeah. There's a long letter gone to them, I noticed. I read it this morning. There's a lot in that letter, Tim. Absolutely. And, like, we need them to meet us. What we want is Boss Aaron to meet with us, MTA, and also um, the City Council to decide what they can do here at this location. To be, to be fair, Tim, it's worth saying with regard to Boss Aaron, they're not... They're, they're, realistically they can't scratch their arse to say, put it quite bluntly without the say-so of the NTA so it's the NTA has to move here Absolutely, and I think that's the and we wrote to the NTA and they refused to meet us so we refused? Refused, in writing on, You're a government the, senator and they refused to meet you Absolutely, they gave me they haven't got the resources to meet with me and this is a multi- But there are no phones, you know, in fairness or no Zooms, like, come on here Unbelievable stuff it really is, and they've put their head in the sand saying this will go away, but like there's a major frustration in Kinsale. And in fairness for my elderly population of who are very vocal on this, to say the very least, like they are up in arms about this. They're not feeling safe there, they've no shelter there, and they like the setting of the actual bus station that gave them security. And they got to know everyone there, and they were really happy in that location. At least it's warm and dry while you wait for a bus. That's the absolute basic nuts. I was only passing it the other day in the absolute lashings of rain, looking at people queuing for a bus. And I thought, who the hell? Again, another one. What clown signed off on that? You have to ask that. Tim, I'm going to leave it there. Meeting is tonight in the Temperance Hall in Kinsale at half past seven. For anyone who is interested in it, um, Marion Caulfield has set up a group called Fix the 226 and she's been tweeting about that at the weekend. Uh, Tim said she, he'd addressed the, the issue on her behalf seeing as he was coming out to talk about uh, Laura and Finton anyway, but he's heavily involved in that. There's so many things going on around town. 0818 96 96 96. On a positive one, Tony Cullinan was on with me a couple of weeks ago talking about a, a Joe Dolan tribute night with the High Hopes Choir in aid of Penny Dinners. It's on the Metropole Hotel this Friday, the 11th. It is sold out. Completely sold out. Which is good to hear. Good morning.
Cork's 96FM wants to fill your Christmas with fun and play. The 10K Toy Giveaway is back. Got a pocket full of cash we can blow we're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. Listen to Quartz 96 FM all day long from Monday, November 14th. For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. Quartz 96 FM's 10K toy giveaway. Listen and win from next Monday. Only on Quartz 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, just getting a reminder here about a, a COVID scam warning that's going around. I came across this myself a week or two ago and just dismissed it out of my phone. I got the text that reminds me I need to go for my booster and stuff like that but this came in as well and Luigi draws our attention to it if you get a message saying that you are a close contact with a positive case then they ask you to buy new tests because the old tests are no good deleted it's a racket thanks Luigi for that that's going around it looks very much like an official HSE text and looks like a very official message telling you that you are a close contact and that you need to test yourself and you need to buy tests and click the link and you know yourself. Thanks for that, Luigi. 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text or WhatsApp or voice note is 083 396 96 96. So that meeting tonight at the Temperance Hall in Kinsale, half past seven, to look at the future of the 226 bus route. A couple of things being addressed, as Tim Lombard said before the news, the capacity on the bus. It was supposed to be a double-decker after the 1st of November. This is the 7th and still no sign of a double-decker bus. And also the location of the bus stop, which is totally unsuitable. I drove past there the other day and it was chucking it down with rain and there was a huge crowd waiting for the bus and you feel so sorry for them and the weather's only going to get worse now Damien Long from West Cork Connect has called the opinion line Damien you reckon you can solve a lot of these problems yourself could you good morning morning PJ how are you how are you could you help here oh well look West Cork Connect has the license with with, with over two years to start a service from Kinsale to Cork City every day on right. the hour on the ha- every hour on the half hour right so but our service that we have a licence for would be running through um, Kinsale, Belgoolia, Riverstick, and then coming through Ballinhattig over the viaduct and past the colleges, past the hospitals, mm-hmm. past everything in the city. So it will reduce, I think, for someone going to the hospital at the moment from Kinsale, it's about an hour and 45 minutes for them to get there and two different bus routes. And our service will do it in 30, 35 minutes for those people. Can you get that service off the ground? Um, well, at the moment we can't because they won't put the bus stop for us in Ballinhasig. So there's never been a bus service in Ballinhasig and we were the first to put one there. And we can't get them to put a bus stop in Ballinhasig for us. So so you see how we would normally work, So you, you have approval, I think. Oh, we have the licence, yeah. We have the full right. licence from the National Transport Authority. And the National Transport Authority know that you want to put a stop in Ballinhasig? Well, it would be Cork County Council would be in charge of the stop. So. Yeah. Right, but the NTA tell you where you can stop, don't they? 
No, well, no, Cork County Council have given us the stop approval and told us exactly where we're to stop our bus. I see. And where the bus stop will be. So they've approved the stop. Yeah. But they haven't put and the stop in. No. Because okay. there's never been a bus stop in. But I think there's a little bit of confusion, you see, because it would have always been. There's never been a private service in West Cork until we opened from Skibbereen and from Bantry. Yeah. Okay, so everybody would have been of the assumption that the bus stops were owned by Bus Aaron. Right. But the bus stops are actually owned by Cork County Council and they controlled them and used by Bus Aaron. So when we started our service, the council also gave us the use of their bus stops, yeah. which, were all, which were all along used by Bus Aaron only. Okay. So when we got our licence from Kinsale, we also will be using the same bus stop in Kinsale because it's Cork County Council, the same one in Riverstick and the same one in Belgooley. Because they're around the Cork County Council. Ah, okay. So you're using the existing bus stops owned by the council, used by Bus Aaron, and now you can use them. Yes, because we have the same license. But where we come a cropper here is that there has never been a bus stop in Balhasic because Bus Aaron have never serviced it and the council have never had to build one there. And let's just say if Bus Aaron were to put a service in Balhasic tomorrow morning, they would be out there tomorrow morning at nine o'clock putting a brand new bus stop there. But because it's a private operator with the exact same licence, nobody seems to want to move on putting in this bus stop and, and getting the signs up and getting a safe area for the bus to pull in every day. This to is pull in people. They've approved it. Yes, oh, they've, and they've, they've marked it on a map exactly where the bus stop is. So what's and the problem? They just, they, the last meeting that was held about this, um, it was brought up at the meeting, I think it was a municipal council meeting or a Cork County council meeting, and they brought it up themselves about this bus stop that the service couldn't start until the bus stop was put there. And it was said at the meeting, OK, we better go and ask Bus Aaron about the bus stop. Mm. Yet they own, yet it's nothing to do with Bus Aaron, it's Cork County Council. Now, and someone is just messaging me here, Damien. Like, yeah. you, you, you know where the bus stop would be, were it to be erected, correct? Yes, yeah. What would happen if you just started stopping there tomorrow? Well, we could we could stop there tomorrow, and we could start really if we wanted. But the problem being is, that's a very very busy road. So all of a sudden, you've got a bus travelling along, and next thing just stops dead in the middle of the main road, puts on its handbrake, and starts leaving people out. And no sign to say why is he stopping? It's a bus stop, or it'll it'll cause further confusion that all the people that are travelling by bus won't know where the bus stop is because there's no signs, or there's nowhere to put signs, or there's no official bus stop sign. So. Anybody using the bus stop will be on to customer service all day long. One person will be on one side of Balintasic, the other person will be in the middle of it, and no one will know. And, and tell me this, supposing you were to contact Cork County Council, Damien, and say, look, we're going to put up our own stop, our own sign, and go in and get your own sign made and put it up. Could they, could they just... You see, I don't know where insurance would cover you, PJ, put you up your own There's sign. The problem. There's the problem. There's yeah. the problem. Yeah, that's where it goes, you see. But look, it, it's very simple. All you have to do is get someone out to line the road, just put a mark and put bus written on the road and put a bus there and put a pole on the ground. We put our own sign on the pole. They, they just have to put a pole on the ground. But, and you, and, you, can, and you, can, you could start a service tomorrow. Look, we carry over 1,000 people a day from the Skibbering service. When we started the Skibbering to Cork service, it was in a mess. As you remember, people were on the radio every day, I people were on Southern do. Star. It was a mess. It was. We started it, and there's way more people using public transport now than what there was back then, and we carry over 1,000 people a day on that service alone. That's brilliant. And if we need extra buses, we put on extra buses. Like, 
you, you talked about putting a double-decker on the service. Double-decker is a waste of time because a bus here and double-decker is only 76 seats. It's not, not that you're doubling capacity. You're yeah. going from 53 to 76. So, like, the answer to it is to get our service started. That's where the answer is. And when we need to put bus for 100 people, we'll put two coaches. When we need it for 150 people, we'll put three coaches. Like, we, we have invested a fortune in online booking systems that tell us when people have booked, how many people are travelling, people can book in advance and be guaranteed their seat. Nice. Um, we, we have all that in place already. So the answer to this, and the answer to this big problem, is just put a bus stop in Ballinhasig and we will start our service. Now, who are your local public reps down there in Ballinhasig that should be pushing this for you in the council chamber? Or what well, are they doing? To, well, in, in the, the, there was a municipal uh, council meeting and there's been a couple of them on to us as well and they're trying to push it, but the problem being is that it's not understood. I don't think the council themselves inside understand the whole setup of bus stops. They, they, they themselves think they don't own the bus stops, and that's where the problem is. Oh, God. All right. Damien, so, come here. Well, I have you there. All yes. this moving around that we talked about, you and I, months back, yeah. has it settled, or is it is it the total chaos you predicted? Total chaos. Uh, the, the, the city is a mess, PJ. You can't get out of it in the evenings. You They've changed the roads. It is a complete and utter mess. It. It used to take us 15 minutes to get from our bus stop out to the students in Western Road at UCC to pick them up. There are days when it can take an hour now. God almighty. And are so, you caught up in this, this ridiculous situation in McCurtain Street where the bus is stopping in the middle of the street? Yeah, I'm not caught that. That's the buses coming from Limerick. Anything come from Limerick, like the City Link service, yeah. or they have to stop in the middle of the street there until their new bus stop goes in, but... Um, no, it's it's a mess, and there was the, the the time of the heavy rain there. We couldn't even get near our bus stop. It was so flooded out on the side of the quay. We couldn't we couldn't even pull in. We couldn't get people to stand there. But the the traffic situation, like you know, sometimes people need to put their hand up in any business. If you make a mistake and something goes wrong, you put your hand up and you say, "Look, we've tried it. We've made a mistake. We got to change things." But this doesn't seem to want to happen. in This situation, they yeah. just they've made a mistake. And they're going to leave us carry on as a mistake, and well, nobody is looking to see how do we fix it. Well, well, Patrick's key is off the agenda now because they've a, they've a pavement there now, they've a footpath you could play a match on, and, yeah. and and they seem to be going in everywhere. There's some someone inside in City Hall has this notion of building pavements wide enough to to play a match on around town. Uh, sure, look, it's it's all, and look, it's all about cycle lanes, and look, it will be great. But people can't cycle on the pavements. Why are the, why are the <laughs> pavements so flipping wide? Like I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know why they never went inside the key wall like they've done in Dublin and you leave the roads where they are and put yeah. the footpath at the other side over the water. Um, oh, yeah. Because, look, they can't use a footpath if there's rain nowadays anyway because it's flooded out. So the walkway inside is going to be flooded as well. But uh, look, there's no forward thinking there. Look, it's, it's, it's a disaster. But it's getting worse and... You've got people on saying everyone has to use public transport. Use public transport, and people are trying. Yes, are, people are leaving their cars at home. Yes, but when you get on a bus inside in the city, and a fifteen-minute run due to the traffic could take forty-five minutes, it's get, it's getting people's backs up, and it's not fair on them. They're standing in the wet in the rain, and they're waiting for a bus that should be there, and it's not the bus is leaving the city centre on time, but the city centre is such a mess. It can't get to its next bus stop on time. All right. And it's not fair on people. All right, Damien. You could do the, you could do the Kinsale run tomorrow if they get a bus stop for you into Ballinhasig. County Council have given a bus stop, or an approval for a bus stop in Ballinhasig. They know where it's supposed to be. They know where the bus stop... Oh, stop. Thanks, Damien.
and continued success with West Cork Connects. Yeah, this wide pavements thing, I was only looking at them and counting them, and there's one now, there's, everywhere you look now, there's a wide, big, wide pavement going in. One of the explanations you get is that for this outside dining phenomenon, so that, you know, people and pedestrians can be on the same corner at the same time, they make some sense. But here's the thing. Some of those big wave pavements are nowhere near a eatery or an alehouse. So what are they for? But that's one of the explanations. Have you seen them, though? They're utterly... Like the top of Pine Street there. And I know this because my daughter lives in Pine Street. Like the top of Pine Street, they've brought this huge big pavement out into the middle of the street. Like, what's that nonsense about? 0818 96 96 96. PJ Coogan on the opinion line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. A lot going on in sport at the moment. And you might have missed this little story in among all the others. Now, it's happened in the UK, but generally when they cough, we get the cold. So it could well happen here. But the Football Association has told parents they're not to cheer at junior matches, youth matches, youth soccer matches, to shield the youngsters from abuse. This is the English football governing body, the FA. Of course, they've been accused of going woke. They want only polite applause from the touchline. This is a new National Silent Support Weekend, which they want to take the pressure off referees and stop abuse of young players and all of that. So, spectators are urged to, and I'm quoting here, let youngsters make mistakes and make their own decisions without being harassed. And good play should be awarded with polite applause. Anyone in reach of these codes of conduct could be asked to leave the venue or asked not to attend. Now, you kind of wonder, is that the way forward? As I said, what happened if, when England cough, we tend to get the cold. Wyon Stansfield, long time, of course, devotee of Cork City Football Club and Lee Vale. You know a fair bit about Inside. football. Or, and all Lee side, sorry. Um, Wyon, <laughs> this idea that cheering would be replaced by polite... Well done, well done, well done, Tony, well done. I mean, have we lost our well, minds entirely or what? Morning. They certainly, they, good morning to you, PJ. They certainly need to do something. I mean, the level, sometimes uh, parents are definitely forget sometimes what age group they're looking at. Um, certainly when it comes to abusive referees and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly, they need to do something. I mean, sideline should be for positive reinforcement. I mean, there's no denying that. Uh, you know, the, the shouting and cheering when someone makes a mistake, it, you know, it just shouldn't happen. I mean, any... It, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem difficult as a parent to look and go well shouting at children you know for making a mistake or for for you know celebrating when some child makes a mistake is not the right thing to do mm-hmm. whether you can sit there and go don't cheer you know I don't know I mean I I can't imagine I mean I think most of the kids when something good happens want to hear you know cheering behind them for their team because that's also good for them. But it, it is very difficult. I mean, you know, kids see the premiership and they see people shouting at referees and the parents, um, many of whom male, I have to say, 
live their 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 children's uh, sporting lives vicariously or their own sporting lives vicariously through their children and they and they definitely forget i mean i've seen parents getting into serious arguments on the side to the point of fisty cuffs going on yeah. on the side of a pitch and you're going really you're 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 at the side of an under 12 under 10 game you know can you not contain yourself yeah, but no. I, I have been in uh, soccer clubs where I've seen it, Ryan. I won't say where now, but here in Cork County, shall we say, and I've seen a sign yeah. on the wall around where the people would gather to watch the match. Please remember, they are children. Just simply allow yeah. the wall. Please remember, they're children. Yeah, I, at least I'd have one that says reminds people that they're children. The referees make mistakes. Um. You know, nobody's perfect. So just remember, respect. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's all about respect. But the trouble is the, the, the football, you know, the football game is so corrupted by the lack of respect. Yes. The lack of respect for referees, the lack of respect for each other. You know, uh, until they stop that at the top levels. I mean, I've seen, I've seen with my eldest guy when he was under 14 or under 15, I remember one kid diving <laughs> and being very proud of himself. Now, to be fair, his coach told him, get up off the ground and don't be such a twit. But the fact is, that's what he sees going on. Yes. And I know another guy who got sent off for eventually for giving out the referee. Well, he was sent off and then he returned onto the pitch because he remembered he was playing football, not rugby, and started effing and blinding the referee out of it. Yeah. And that was basically because it's, it's acceptable. Yeah, you know it's, it's kids, crazy. Kids are under savage pressure. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm going to sound very mischievous here now, Wayne. But you'll forgive me. You know, Dad wasn't the best player of his generation, and he's frustrated that he didn't do much better than the under seventeen B. And he's living out his own ambitions with the poor child who's got a small bit of talent. Oh, like, yeah, like I said, they 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 live their their past careers vicariously through their children, and you can see it. You can see them. You can see those particular dad, generally dads. I have to say, not mothers, but you can see those particular dads trying to coach their children from the side. I mean, in Leeside, when my youngest guy was under fourteen or fifteen, we had a really good coach, and he turned around one day and he told the parents, "There's one coach. There's not. There's not ten of you. There's one." And to please stop trying to coach from side because I mean it does nothing for it does nothing for little Johnny that his dad is telling him you know move this way move that way why didn't you do that if anything it confuses him because the coach (laughs) the coach has studied coaching the coach has learned how to coach dad just watches the soccer on a Saturday in the telly dad's not a coach no no, dad's not a coach no I have to say most of the coaches are dads I mean I I ended up coaching because I was the dad and. There were a shortage of coaches, and myself and one of the other dads decided, well, okay, look, you know, we, we will do that for you. Um, so, and that is certainly true of, oh, Jesus, huge numbers of underage. I mean, the, va- the vast bulk of them are parents stepping up to the plate, um, you know, which brings its own battles then, because now you're kind of half, half of you is thinking protecting your own son, and the other half is remembering, no, no, there's another 14 or 15 of them there that you must give absolutely yeah. equal attention to. And you should be giving them equal attention, yeah. because you don't know, you know, you don't know whether little, like I, I think I said in my tweet, that you know, the next Roy Keane, Roy Keane was too small to play football. 
well, that worked out well, didn't it? <laughs> didn't it just? Didn't it you just? Know? Yeah, a bit, a bit, a bit <laughs> so, like CJ you know, Standard was too, a bit like CJ Standard was too small right, for international like rugby. CGS, Remember that? Yes, <laughs> same thing. <laughs> Why on leave it there? Thanks, Wayne Stansfield. We're, yeah, you have, there's one coach, uh, and if you're up in the stand roaring at you, shut up, shut up, just watch the game. But what do you think about it? It's a time for rules to be actually imposed, proper rules where you can say, sorry, sir, yeah, either shut up or leave. One of the two. Stop roaring at the children or or leave. Should, should referees or other officials have that power to try to clean things up? Thanks, Wyon. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Patrick Rafter and Sam Perkin have been working on a brand new performance as part of the music network Resonate Artists in Residency at Triscoll Christchurch. You'll get to see it all in its glory on Friday, November 25th, so make sure to get your tickets for this world premiere performance. Access all areas. Cork Orchestral Society makes a welcome return with an exciting programme for autumn-winter 2022. They're pleased to announce 12 spectacular shows taking place in venues across the city, including a highlight featuring the RTE Concert Orchestra on November 19th at Cork City Hall. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Okay, this next conversation is rather a long one and strap yourselves in. Uh, This is a very, very interesting conversation. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss with a man who I've had the pleasure of speaking to on the opinion line many, many times over the years. Uh, Recently, his childhood abuser was jailed. Uh, The man's name was Patrick Curran, a paedophile schoolteacher with a string of convictions and offences behind him, picked this man up when he was an 11-year-old child and threw him into a waste paper bin. Among other things he did to him. Curran, who's now 77, uh, began a one-year sentence last Friday. 
for the abuse that happened in Sligo in 1984. The young man, the child at the time, who was abused is someone you all know well. A homeless campaigner and activist here in Cork for many years, Bernard O'Hare. Bernard has spoken to me many times about his own struggles and always said to me there were things he couldn't say and stories he couldn't tell. Now he can tell that story. And I met him over the weekend. Bernard, you and I have talked many, many times and thank you for having me here in your apartment. The first thought I'd have is you were able to open your blinds this morning and look out at a lovely sunny morning. Your assailant, that awful man, looked at the wall of a prison cell this morning. How much does that actually mean to you? Well, at first I was, I'm saying, delighted or happy, but, you know, inside I was like, I won. So I felt a sort of a, of a, a sort of a happy release. But then, as you said, like, I was chatting with my dad a few nights after it happened, and I was kind of down. You know, I was, was a bit upset, like. But, and he says to me the same thing, he goes, son, if, you're, if it makes you feel any better when you're down, he goes, remember that he's waking up this morning in a jail cell. And I thought to myself, you know what, that's right. It's, it's, that's a point, like. But then in the last few days, and last week or so, people have been saying it to me online and you know that he got two years suspended or two years in jail one suspended um, but they've been saying then that he'll get early release on that again and even the law explained that to me in a sense of like oh he might only do a few weeks and a few months so what I'm trying to say is that my whatever celebration or whatever positivity I had from the mm. sentence is, is, is gone mm. does it matter to you that he did time anyway like by my calculation on my experience work in the courts Bernard he'll probably do a max of nine months how does that make you feel absolutely disgusted you know I was 10 going on 11 when it happened and I was 42 weeks ago I've done my sentence of over 30 years yeah he, he, he chance he'll only do a few weeks or as you said nine months of course I'm disappointed and deflated to be honest I've been trying to in some of the guys when I'm talking to people or certain people anyways I to keep up a, a brave face but inside I'm dying man because it's like my whole life like you know I, I'm not making excuses for my addictions I want to put my hands up and say I've done a lot of wrong things at times where it wasn't necessarily affecting me but like no child should be harming themselves at 10 years of age no child should be just starting to take solvents and then just go, go on the path that I did I'm the one that has the life sentence not him yeah we were 11 yeah. When, when he hurt you go into as much or as little detail as you want Bernard but from from the time he hurt you yeah how soon after that did you start to as they say as the psychologists say act out mm. well at the time you know I could say this my mum and dad was splitting up and look there's not a family in Ireland that hasn't you know yeah. problems it's it's you know but my mum approached him because he she's seen how much I got on with him and I did I thought he was a hero this fella mm. you know affectionate he was sound he was funny he he was, you know, generous. Uh, he'd take us to the library every week. Mm. And I only lived across the road from school, literally from here to there. So I, there was no break from us, you know. But but then he also done gardening. And then, but when he was doing the gardening, he'd have like a, a boot full of sweets. I thought it was like a chocolate factory or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? you, you're innocent. You don't know it at the time. You're and 11. Then, you're not meant to know. You're not. But that's just it. Like, you're a child. How the hell do you know what 11 like? But that's just it. Kids meant to you know, be sexualized or something like that at that age. But at first, I didn't know what was going on I just thought it was like a comforting thing hug reassurance pat in the back you know there's a few pence for the shop or a yeah. few quid for the shop but I didn't know that it was grooming it's only now as an older man that you're able to look back and go you know mm-hmm. and none of this was brought up in the court but 
it was like a switch went off like I, I up until that I was a lovable rogue like do you know what I mean I wasn't going around breaking people's windows I wasn't do you know smoking hash I wasn't trying to steal people's beer or none, none, none of that carry on it's just, just stupid stuff like yeah. you know like any other religion yeah like I mean it went from put this hit there, right? I had this little plastic tractor when I was younger so the lads used to tie a bit of string in the back of it and then tie it to the pole and then go flying down and then go flying off it it went from that to F the world started harming myself as I said solvents everything and it just you know there was the threats that he was doing in the meantime as well see when I realised what was happening I let it happen because I just thought to myself I was convinced that at the time this is my outlook on it that when your parents split up that you have to be sent away to a home I know it sounds stupid, but and then I go crying back to him and telling him this, and then he was using that against me. Yeah. So it was just like, you're, at one point he threatened you that if you, oh, yeah, 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 oh, uh, he, uh, you'd be taken away. Yeah, yeah, oh, multiple times that he'd he'd say to me that oh, your mother or father's going to give you away now, and I, all I do was tell him this that, and if you say anything that what's going on and whatever, and I was like, Jesus Christ, you know. So he let it happen, and uh, then one day I just got sick of it, and I fought back. Like, yeah, yeah, no, he did. When he was finished with me, he hit me back and uh, left me in a bin you know and I thought to myself you know what like is that right? I'm not good to you anymore so that's where I'm left now so that everything stuck to me at that time what was being yeah. said yeah you know it wasn't like you know learning about you're 12 years of age you uh, feel worthless oh I've been feeling like that since I was about 10 you yeah. know it started with like uh, and it was very hard to break that yeah. you know if you want then you devolved that's the technical term and you got into all sorts mm. um, and you've often said to me Bernard on air off air mm. you said nobody chooses a doorway nobody chooses a syringe nobody chooses to drink raw alcohol down a laneway yeah those choices are made for them somewhere else yeah do you feel that what he did to you is why you ended up you, when you came to Cork and you were in, in the doorway yeah you know I, I, if I'm being honest right uh, there's little parts of me over the years in terms of taking drugs things like that where I just done it because I done it right? I might look bad saying it but do I blame him for it yes mm. of course I do as I said I was ha- I didn't ask anyone I was happy out you see the response I even got from all my friends in Sligo all the people in Sligo they had no clue everyone remembers me as for laughing and running around the place or whatever do you know and uh, when did they know about this when did they find out uh, roughly oh, roughly <laughs> so most people would have known by January of this year no it was it January yeah I waived my anonymity after after another delay last November so I uh, yeah most people would know from then on Right. So you'd kept this from family and friends and people who grew up in this land. Yeah, I tried to hint for, at it a couple of times. years. Probably. Yeah, tried to hint at it a couple of times. And then when, just before my mum got her, so she passed away, she had to go make a statement and stuff. But she told me, she, she believes me, of course she does. My dad believed me, Every they all believe me, do you know what I mean? And it was just, I think they were shocked more than that and that it, it was going on as long as it was and what was happening was happening. Do you know what I mean? When did you first tell your parents? Uh, I believe that was in 2016. I had a chat with my dad on the phone and he was like, just tell me, just, you know, I said I had been to the guards and it was like he kind of already knew as such, you know, that sort of way. Yeah. Because I remember, if you if you remember, I told you that he left me in the bin and when I did get out of it and I ran home because I was only living across the road. Now, yeah. yeah, 
and I ran home and I told my dad he hit me but I didn't tell him that he uh, what he'd done to me but uh, my dad went up to the school and was trying to get at him but he couldn't get at him but yeah so so your dad when you told him in 2016 how did he react I think he was sad very sad but even more so in the last since the case happened because um, I hope they don't blame themselves even though I blamed them for a long time this way I stole and I lied and I cheated I was like well if you want to send me away I'm going to give you a very good reason to do it do you know what I mean I know that sound I, I, this thing was still in my head you yeah. know so yeah I was convinced that like and <laughs> your relationship let's face it your relationship with your family broke down oh did it totally and Mm. This was this was the secret. This was why, and you. Mm. It was only in 2016 you were able to reveal it to them. This is why. I'll tell you why. I, I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you why it came out about it. And I said this in, in, in an interview, and some people might laugh at me or whatever else. I was sick of looking at myself. I remember one night I had this horrible dream, and I woke up and I was after wet in the bed, and it was after it was just I was just in so much fear. But this had gone on for years. Yeah. Do you know, it was just too much, man. And then I was going to end up trying to take life, and then I just fell down. It was cry phrases I was like I have to do something about this mm. and that's when I did stop taking the stuff but then last August I had to slip and uh, shit that, that, that happens Bernard it's okay that happens a bit. Yeah. but in 2016 you hit rock bottom oh, this guy. Yeah. I couldn't believe it what was the spur to pick up the phone to your dad it was like do you know what it was it was like I was just fed up of it. I was like, I can't, am I going to be a drug addict for the rest of my life or a junkie, people call it? So how am I going to be a junkie? Am I going to be have all these mental health problems? Am I going to continuously hurt myself, you know, self-harm, whatever the case may be? And, and, and people look at me then like I am like a drug addict or this and that, and they never know. Again, I'm not making excuses for my actions. I'm just saying so many people as well just let things be said about them and have a perception of you because it's easier to be known as say like oh you're mental or you're an addict than to be known as an abuse victim especially when you're a man do you know what I mean to explore that a little bit it's easier to be thought of as oh, to use that awful word junkie yes I, and I only use that because this is I only use that word because I've been called it a thousand times that, and that's the reason why I've been called but yeah it was easier for me to be that word and then to be this mad person as a opposed to but someone that was known for uh, sexual abuse because uh, so many thoughts ran over in my head were you ashamed of that oh of course I was like for a long time there I've never had trouble getting women and I'm not saying that in a vanity way but it's hard to love your, how can you love anyone else when you can't love yourself you know what to say that in life anyways if you can't love someone if you can't love yourself you can't love anyone else and I used to always think about it like oh, that sounds daft but it was true for me it was yeah, yeah. and then of course I have education I got kicked out of so many schools outside of certain the lying the stealing the cheating deceiving my family and my friends closest to me outside of that education was my biggest regret yeah because I just don't trust teachers I, I, I don't I tried to go back in 2011 after so many years uh, to social studies couldn't do it and then I tried to do me the following year I tried to do my leaving certain it was, I was caught like a rabbit in a headlight I hadn't a clue what I was doing but you know so yeah yeah and all of this you can now confidently say is because of what he did to you yeah, uh, again, I it broke you. Yeah, again, I've made, I've made. I'll tell you something about it, right? Uh, the reason why I was such a bad addict, and like I'm five six or five seven, if I put on my old sandals, as I always say. But you know, I can put away the, I'm say the best of drink or the best of drugs. I mean, look at the little size. How can you do it? 
and they're not condoning no. that but it was escapism I again that word I'd rather be known as that or just taking loads of drugs and drink because it just made you feel different to what was going on inside and you always think no one's going to understand me even if you knew someone else was going through it you're still not going to understand me do you know what I mean so yeah. for me it was always kind of like that you know you know when you eventually started talking first to your dad and then you started talking to other people how much did it mean to you Bernard when somebody anybody sat there and said I hear you yeah it was difficult because I, I, again Peter like, like a lot of services and even I even descri- or I even sorry um, discovered recently I, 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 sh- I can't um, communicate with the DPP because it prejudice the case I said, but you represent me. How can I? But my point is that when someone first listened to me and I was there and went, that's all I wanted. That's all anyone wants. Doesn't matter what you want, someone just to listen to you. Yeah. You know, I found therapy very hard at first as well. Did you think that, and did you go through many years thinking, nobody's interested, no one's going to, no one's going to listen to me? Yeah. I got very bad in the last two years with that. Um... I, again, it was, I wasn't sure how the services worked. I didn't know this, how this worked or that worked. So I was very deflated by some of it. Like I waited over two years, two and a half years for a particular uh, appointment, specialised appointment. And I had one consultation in that two and a half years and it was so hard to get someone to listen to me. So I, I was fighting for, for, for um, uh, to try and get help. As I said, it was such a learning curve. Mm. Um, it, it just felt lonely. And the only people really that was there for me was Samaritans or Piedra House. Yeah. Be straight up with you. Yeah. yeah. You've always said, Bernard, ever since we began to talk on this programme years ago, when you weren't long in Cork, no. you said everybody has a story. Yeah. Everybody has a story. Yeah. How does it feel to be finally able to tell yours I, I feel a, bit, a lot of release from from the my own demons I suppose negativity uh, you know I might be disappointed with a lot of aspects of it but the fact that I'm evil say them words means an awful lot to me because as you said the experiences I've been through the homeless system the hostels are on the street or having to sleep rough and then showed the volunteering side and do you know many people I've met over the years who have cried into my face and the same there's other great groups out there organisations they were out there long before I was but they'll tell you this same thing themselves and have no one to listen to no one to talk to you know and it's just heartbreaking and in a way like I know said if you special or something it was just it, it was nice that I, I was able to say it yeah. weight off your shoulders it's like when you're an addict you say oh I'm an addict and it's a weight off your shoulders or something else is going on with you weight off your shoulders yeah. but you shouldn't have to go through life in fear and if that's what's stopping you from saying what's going on in your life you know yeah. you said to me there you turned 40 a couple of weeks ago belated happy birthday <laughs> to you yeah. can this be a turning point in, in your life Bernard like can you get you can never get the years back no. but can you get the things back some of what back of what you missed I believe I can you know I believe like nothing's impossible you know mm. I might not obviously get, obviously can't get everything back but fighting for my rights and fighting for other people's rights is, is, is a big goes a long way like even what we're doing now talking about it mm. do you know it's it give, it would give other people confidence to talk about it as well yeah um, yeah so yeah yeah you're in Cork now since when 2011 I was originally in Italy and then 
I was supposed to be coming back and then because of the trouble back home they were like oh how are we gonna what are we gonna do with him and I was like waiting to be told and there was a place down in Ladies Bridge in Moncton Mayor so I started there yeah and and remember when your mum died um, uh, that's the first time you'd been back in Sligo in an awful long time nearly 10 years nearly 10 years so I, I, that was a rough old time at the time because it was just after f- I was the last to see one of the lads alive he was going to his inquest and then he was having housing problems and 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 then I was worried so worried then on top of it about going home it's like these people are going to see me that person's going to see me it's like oh Jesus yeah. you know and these were people that you'd messed around as you know yeah let's, let's be honest with you yeah yeah I, 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 drug dealers and uh, heavy duty people you know not yeah. to be messed with you crossed people that yeah. in, in your sane senses you would never have crossed it was not safe for you to go back to sleep no it wasn't and that's why I talk about it now because I had nothing to lose you know yeah. I didn't why and I guess this is this one. I'm on about having you know been able to talk and how how liberating it is. That's the word I was looking for. Liberating. And, and and the fact that you couldn't that, go back. Yeah. That was all down to Carl. Yeah. And what he did to you. A hundred percent. I ru- it ruined my life, mate. You know, ninety nine percent of it was because of trauma. I, I can't sleep at night. PJ, I just show you this. Yeah. Seven of them a day. You show me a, a, a packet yeah. of um, tablets in your letter. Yeah. I yeah. take one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and five at night just to sleep. Just to sleep. Just to sleep. And I can. Because Why? I have no control over my nightmares. I have no control over my sleep. Whereas in my in my day life, whatever, how bad it is, I know it's probably going to sound mad. You can have certain control over it. But it's because, it, it was that night. And when I wasn't dealing with it, and it just built up, built up, and then it was having this very bad nightmares and stuff like that so and it affected it affected everything I've done uh, so here you are 40 years of age and you take tablets to yeah. sleep and again all down to what happened to you as little yeah I had a job a couple of months ago after I don't know if you heard what happened to me last year he was supposed to be sentenced again on in the November and, uh, and around the 26th to the 27th I was, like I was organising to try to go back to college I was going to look at courses I was just not excited that's the wrong word like looking forward to him getting sentenced and so on and so forth and I went from looking up college courses he was supposed to be sentenced on the 30th and I, this, this was last year yeah this was around the 27th and um as I said, I was getting excited about what, what my possibilities, college, employment, whatever, whatever. And then it went, and he changed his mind again. So I went from getting excited about prospects of the future to a week later, I was in hospital and they didn't have any bed for me and just gave me tablets and I went home and I was like, why, what, what am I doing on this? Do you know what I mean? That's how bad it got, like. Mm. And then I kind of like fast forward and a few months I kept at it and at it and at it. That's why I waved my anonymity. To be honest with you, because I'm not letting, I couldn't, I couldn't let them get away with it. I couldn't be the loser again, like the doormat. But that's what it was, for many, many years. Like, mm. you know. Yeah. And now that he is away, and yeah, it's only for a limited period of time. How are you now, today, as we speak? Like, right. Today's so far today. I knew you, were coming, you knew you were coming up to me, so it was positive enough. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Because when, when you go home now and I'm going to be left here myself and I'm left with my own thoughts. Now, and I'm not trying to be negative about it. I'm yeah. not saying every day I'm doing handstands or I'm doing this, that, and all the rest. I've shown you what I've showed you. This is what keeps me going. I have some counselling. I wish it was shorter in between the appointments. But no, I'm not in a good place right now. But, you know, at the same time too, hope. I always say about hope. 
you know and if you want to look above there's a little thing here on the table in front yeah, of us it's just the word hope framed yeah. in a box my, yeah. my uh, friend she makes lovely photo frames Barbara McMahon and, and Mallow there she makes lovely uh, photo frames but it's you know uh, you have to hope you have to think things are always going to get better and I know, you know it's hard to take the hit then was like if, if, in terms of the case oh this is a journey that's a journey this is a journey and you're like going, oh, how do I stay positive like I lost the job there a couple of months ago the nicest people ever to work for they knew about what was going on they knew about my mental health they, they gave me so many different allowances for it and that was so nice and that made me feel so good about myself but then the kind of um, the negative side of me went down I couldn't hack it and then I ended up running out the wrong one day yeah you know that's the kind of things that happens to me yeah do you think that might change now that you've had some level of closure no I think I might move home to be honest really I, if, well, can you Bernard I mean you can't remember when you said you can't but 50-50 yeah. to be honest if I can sort that out sit down with people and suck trash something I would sort something where I would it's not have that you peop- have you people you're cl- I mean, your, your dad is still around yeah? oh yeah, yeah. Dad's yeah. Still you're close to your dad you're close to have you family you're close to yeah like I, my, uh, my sister's like uh, and especially the young to us always have a great relationship yeah. but they all support me yeah you know as long as I'm happy they prefer to see the happy version Bernard even with my stupid and inappropriate jokes but rather than the the negative one or the violent one or the the, 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 the stealer or the thief whatever you want to call it can you keep him under control now yeah but you know this this is the best thing right and I, as I said with them things for years I was self-medicating with say tablets yeah. alcohol marijuana whatever yeah you know but ever since now the one of the best things and this was really bad I know it was a self-suicide attempt there last year but after I got medication I got counselling you know and it just changed for the better it, it really has the quality of life has went up a few notches is there other things that I need to be doing yeah but that's me I just have to get rid of the negative side of it. well you were not able for it you're never going to do it anyway so you're stupid anyway do you know what I mean who's telling you that yourself Always or other says. people yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. people yeah. might have said it to me over the years but it's like I never for- let myself forget it do you know what I mean and I'm not stupid that's the thing no far from it my I've done more in 2017 with my life then uh, you know I, I don't obviously always talk about it but like I achieved more in one year having the past that I have and that's because a few people believed in me it's like the same with anyone out there you believe in people and you, you, you're genuine about it there's nothing that can't be done like you wrote a book you did a TED talk you all these things <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that's the mad thing right I went from in say 2012 drinking an alleyway with the lads to fast forward five years and you're hanging out with Ryan Tubbity you're hanging out with Nationwide you're hanging out with <laughs> you know the TV3 yeah. crowd and you know all the, and going to LinkedIn I done talks in LinkedIn Samaritans yeah. You know, all this stuff. And all the time you're holding this secret. Yeah. Because I was always in, sorry, putting this. Okay. I never thought I'd get that's this fair. Like, I, I, I can talk you up or I can talk anyone else up, but just couldn't do it for myself. Um, I needed to prove I put so much on hold for the last six years I did. I didn't think it was going to go on as long, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah. Here you are. There's a, there's a lot of hope out there. It comes in very different. Do you forms. have hope now? <sighs> right, I don't want to. I don't want to lie. I do and I don't. Yeah. At the moment, I'm a bit deflated because I'm nearly got loads or anything like that. Not that I want, you know, the material things. Um, my biggest fear is myself. You know, my own ne- ne- negativity and stuff. But, but, with 
the proper medication with the proper counseling the proper therapy I can get better I seen the darkest of the darkest and it's not a nice world to live in it's not yeah so there's always hope for the future the sun will shine one day my friend absolutely yeah why not like <laughs> as Del Boy said this time next year I'll be a millionaire I'll be fine <laughs> and, it, and it happened for him too so no one can say it can't happen <laughs> you know? that's Bernard thank you so much and can I just say mm-hmm. on behalf of the show and the team over the years you've been a great friend to us in good times and bad and all I can do is wish you every success no I thank you so much and as I said thank you for always giving me the chance because you you know what you gave me a chance and look what I've done for my confidence so when that happens for other people that's the point so thank you as well to you cheers lovely man just a lovely lovely guy and he's been through his share of troubles and if you learn one thing from that conversation next time you're walking down and you're seeing someone in a doorway or in an alleyway, and you're thinking, there is a, and I don't, I don't use the word, so there is a, there's a story there. Uh, Bernard's had a chance to tell his. Others may never be so lucky. Uh, thank you for that, and best of luck with your future, young man. If you think you need help, if you need help, if you know somebody needs help, Pieta are at one 800 Samaritans are 116-123. Speak to your GP or call 999 or 112 if you think you or anybody else is at immediate risk. So the question we've thrown out there, the partner, whoever's in your life at the moment, what could you rent them out for? Someone said, I'd send my wife round to other people's houses to whip their husbands oh. into shape. Yeah, all right. <laughs> She's a personal trainer and never shuts up. <laughs> Morning. That's why Mrs. would make an absolute fortune as an archaeologist. She's so good at digging up the past. <laughs> And Ross in the morning. Get into gear for 2023 with No DC Cars Blackpool, Skoda's sales dealer of the year. Open 24-7 at NoDC.com. Courts 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. It's a horrible looking morning out there. Look at that. It's rotten. Just rotten of you. Might get a bit of sunshine on Wednesday, but a fairly bleak week ahead uh, weather-wise. I mentioned a fairly bleak few months ahead weather-wise. But sure, we cheer ourselves up with lighter things? 0818 96 96 96, the number. The text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Email by far the best way to get us, as we say, out of hours. In other words, when we're not on the air. Uh, when you listen to one of our podcasts, we put the bones of 30 podcasts up a week, including the full show podcast every day, which is available to you wherever you get your podcasts. Usually it's there about three o'clock, slightly after, maybe slightly before sometimes. And all the other little bits and pieces from the show that we podcast, just subscribe and they'll arrive in your phone as if by magic and cost you not one penny piece. But should you want to contact us about that or anything else indeed that you think we should be talking about, or that you've seen, you think we should see, or that you want to have a rant about, and you know yourself, first port of call, opinion at 96fm.com. 
i.e. <clears throat> we have lots of correspondence built up here on one side of the desk which I'll try to get to if I have to drag some of them out over the next couple of days I will do that still stuff coming in about the huge turnout yesterday for the protest at CUMH about the change in the rules regarding home births still getting stuff in about that I'll get to them all if not today probably won't be today in the course of the week also some stuff coming in about the mergers of the two schools on the north side of the city and we're stuck in them we're keeping them in stock if you sent us in a message we won't forget you we will get to it but on the weekend did you see the inventions night or the business nights taking care of business special night that they had on the late late show uh, at the weekend uh, or rather they call it the toy show for adults on the late late show all these inventions and things that are being sold and developed it's exciting you know but in the middle of it all right? did you see this in the late show on Friday night so for all the other stuff that was shown and all the exciting things that we were told about on the late late show on Friday night there's this fella sitting in a hot tub did you see that there he is sitting in the hot tub bamming off to himself on the telly and people are going, who's your man in the hot... Hang on, we... I know him. Who's who's your man? Who's your man in the hot tub? Um, yeah. Who, who is he? It's you, Carol Bow. We knew it. <laughs> Morning, PJ. How are you? How are you? You and I were... We talked before. You were Mr. Ireland in 2014 and you went on to Correct. act and to model and all that. How on earth did you end up in a hot tub on the late late show? <laughs> That's a very good question, PJ. I'm, trying to, I'm still trying to figure out the answer to that. Um, no, do you know what it was? It was, it, obviously, for the show itself, it was the um, the invention for businesses and everything else. And they just wanted to add more uh, realism to the actual situation uh, with uh, having people in a hot tub on the boat. And long story short, my agent got in touch with me and asked, would you be interested in doing it? And I said, yeah, absolutely, why not? And it caused a bit of a stir, all right. So, um, yeah, here we are still trying to scratch our heads. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the funny thing was, like, the, the boat itself was fairly smashing, as were lots of other things that were on yeah. the Late Late Show, but you're the one they're talking about. <laughs> as if you're a new Irish invention or something. Does I mean, <laughs> people are ringing up the supplier, the hot, does it come with your man in it, like? <laughs> Yeah, that's it. All right, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it's just it's been a, been a bit of a whirlwind experience this past weekend. Mm. You you were kind of looking in the camera in a knowing way, though, as well, if to say, "I oh, look thing. at me, I'm here." Well, like, look at me, I'm. You know. Well, well, you know something, PJ. This this is the gas thing, and a lot of people actually don't know this. So that wasn't the case, despite that. That despite the perception of that, but um, it's it's funny because the girl who I was in the hot tub with, there was a camera behind her, and they had told us not to look down the lens of the camera. So I'm actually facing the way I'm facing the other way. I'm facing the angle of sort of the main camera. But the the irony of it is is that I actually didn't know that we were actually filming. So I'm looking at it, and I'm sort of in my own little sort of world because there's a camera behind the girl. And I'm just completely aware of to not look down that particular lens because I thought that was the only camera that was that was there. Oh, because every woman looking, in Ireland now thought you were looking out at the television or her going, buy this hot tub and I'll come with it. And I'll even bring the Prosecco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, come here now, look, sure, look. But that, that was basically, that was the, the reality of behind, really. So that was, um, yeah, it, it was an experience for sure because then obviously that caused a lot of, 
attention online and people were saying, look at your man, pause what you just said there, you look at your man pose and ah, look, he thinks he's this and this thinks he's that. And to be honest with you, the gas thing about it is, is that I can I can see why people would think that. Yeah. But that wasn't the case at all. I was just kind of just sitting there, just making sure I wasn't looking directly. You at were the trying to avoid the see. camera rather than yeah. court the camera. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. It's, yeah. one of, it's one of those kind of behind the scenes things from the late late show. Like what what's it like? I mean it's look at the biggest TV show in the country. It's the longest running television talk show in yeah. the world ever. What's it For like sure. to work on? Oh, it's it's fantastic. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there, PJ. Like it is. It's one of the. It's just. It's part of Irish tradition for years. And um, you know, every Friday night and, and everything else. So to be involved with it, you know, when I got the the call to say, look, would you be interested in going on? I was like, absolutely, of course. And um, but yeah, you know, I didn't know that it would cause the reaction that it did. But on the the grander scheme of things, you know, it was a great night for people. You know, to for business like the, for example, the guy the the hot tub boat. He was telling us that he and he came up with this idea during COVID because obviously the last two and a half years have been tough for everybody, and he came up with this idea. And I think it's a great occasion, you know, for sorry, it's a great idea for any occasion. And um, but yeah, so to to have that on the late late show and to be involved in it in some way, it was it was great. Good, good. Now you've been a busy boy since two thousand and fourteen, and one thing that the women of Ireland were most upset to discover late Friday night or Saturday morning is you're very much taken, young man. I am taking, yes, PJ, I am indeed, yes. I'm, my fiancé and I are getting ready to tie the knot next year, so we're in, we're preparations for that are, are underway, so good, good times ahead. A good place to take the vows in a hot tub, you know, it could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly, it's another idea for sure. <laughs> what, what's been happening for you since, since 2014? I mean, it's eight years ago. Yeah, to be honest, yeah, yeah, just a variety of different things, PJ, so just involved with modelling and acting, like even before getting into modelling, acting was always a passion of mine, and I was involved in a lot of pantos in Dublin, um, obviously over the Christmases throughout the years, um, I was in a, a TV show, I'm sure people would know, called Red Rock, um, that was on TV3, well, now Virgin Media now, but um, yeah, so I was in that, and only recently I actually appeared on a commercial for Air, Air Broadband on mm-hmm. TV, so that was that was good, so uh, yeah, just kind of trying to keep my fingers in different pies, and still hustling and bustling as well, so just got to keep trying, but uh, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, busy. you're a fan of the Sean Connery look, and you wouldn't put your, your uh, hat in the ring to be the next James Bond, would you? <laughs> that would be great, PJ, yeah, who knows, who knows, keep dream big, you know? <laughs> So, yeah, order Sean Connery from Wish, forget me. I must say, I was watching something else on on Fred and I was, someone sent me a WhatsApp of the clip, do you recognise your man in the tub? And I goes, I know him, I know him from somewhere, you know? Cry much. (laughs) Cry much. Carl, thanks very much. Continued success to you and to to Lynn, fiancé, they're getting married next year. Uh, That's Carl Bow, Mr. Ireland 2014. He was the fella in the hot tub on Friday night on the Late Late Show. He doesn't come with the hot tub. So in case anyone, I bet you they were selling hot tubs like they were hot cakes. Thinking he might come in, no. 0818-96-96-96. I, will I do the break and go to that first? I'll go to it first. You were in Glenmire. Who am I talking to? Yesy. Morning. Hello. Good what, morning, PJ. What happened yesterday, Yesy, in, in Glenmire? All right. So uh, my husband and I decided to take the trickets to Multimates because it was raining and you know, Mr. Bull? Yeah. So it was packed. So we parked just a little bit in the business park. It was Sunday, so all the business was closed. Yes. So we were saying, well, look at something we do it here. So it's the Glenmore so Business Park. Yeah. Yes. 25 minutes later, 
<laughs> they call us the our car being clamped together with ten more. It was more, but people were inside Monkey May, so they didn't they didn't bother to go outside. So we were ten parents outside. We have to pay one hundred and twenty five euros for the guys to let us go. We asked him, we begged him to let us go, give me warning, you know, we apologize. It was Sunday, we didn't know. But there was no way. So we all have to call, pay the one hundred twenty five euros. Oh no. <laughs> and Oh, no. Yeah, it was so... And you're thinking, so, like, the business park, it's closed on a Sunday. There's no one... There was not even one open, BJ. It was all, all closed. You know, there was no reason. They make around 2,000 euros there yesterday. I have pictures. I took the picture. All the cars, they were clamped. Like, the, this is ridiculous. Like, this is not fair. No, it's not fair. No, it's it not fair. Friday, it was Friday. You know, Monday. We, Families we going out for a bit of... Bit of fun in monkey zone or a monkey maze on a on a rotten yes. Sunday afternoon, and you come out to find your car clamped in a place where nobody was using the car park yes. anyway. So that's the shopping gone, like you know, one hundred twenty-five euros. That's the shopping gone. Yeah. yeah. And of course, they wouldn't. Like, they wouldn't. It's not everybody. It's not everybody that have the one hundred twenty-five euros. You're right. Just there, you know. You're right, and you do you have to give them a card as well? You do, don't you? Yes. They don't yes. take cash, no. No, no, no. So you have to, you know. I was thinking just leave the car there, but then it was raining. The trick hit, you know. So no, you can't do that. Anyway. Oh God, that's that's that's, yes. a, that's so awful. I say I, I say I better tell you know because it's not fair someday. No, it's not, and it's not Monkey Maze's fault. To be fair to them, it's not it's their not fault Monkey at Maze. all. No, no, Monkey Maze was calling everybody that you know the car is being clamped. So that's when we decide to get out. It was only 25 minutes after we arrived, so... Well, anyway. Right. The kids were, were the kids awful disappointed they were? Of course. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> we, were go- we were going for something to eat after that, and then that was it. Go oh, home, no. weekend. I know. Even even the price of the chips, like, was gone because you couldn't even stop for chips to, 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 to yeah. cheer them up. Like. Yes, really. Yes, ah, really. That's, yeah. that's so unfair. Yesy, thank you for your call. Uh, that's awful. That's horrible. Look, rules is rules, lads, but Sunday, a wet Sunday in November, a closed business park next to a, a leisure place, a play zone for families. And you come in and you start clamping all around you like there was no tomorrow. Like, why? Like, why? Do you know? Places closed on a Sunday. But understand it if it was a business day and they were taking up spaces that should be used by businesses. It was bonkers. Absolute madness. Oh wait, one eight, ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. Yes, it is still happening in Douglas, by the way. Uh, the Douglas Mullen Mills car park there. You still get clamped there quick as lightning too. But this is a new one on me. This is a closed business park in Glenmire. Nobody there on a Sunday. No business is open on a Sunday. The car park is there. Monkey Maze is next door, jammed, because it's the only place to go on a dirty, filthy, wet Sunday with the kids. And bang, 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 bang. They nearly ran out of clamps. 
I'm looking at a photograph of a young lad, only seven years of age, jumping into the freezing waters of Cork Harbour. His name is Hunter, Hunter Halpin. And he's going to be doing this every day for the month of November, going for a swim in the freezing waters of Cork Harbour. The very thought of it, even looking at that photograph, Cloda, <laughs> I'm absolutely shivering. Morning. Morning, how are you? Good. It's a, it's a pretty awesome picture, all right. <laughs> he's a brave lad. Tell me about him. So he's seven years old. And he absolutely just, he loves the water. He's a water baby. Mm. He gets up every morning. He's like, are we going for a swim today? <laughs> we swam all summer and um, he's the first in and the last out. And the idea to use it for the school, where did that come from? So um, he qualified last year for city sports and um, the I suppose the tops were a bit, you know, they're a bit catty, like any school, you know, struggling with funds and stuff. Um, so I decided that I would try and do a fundraiser maybe in the summer, sometime before next city sports anyway. So I just approached one of the teachers and I said, look, we're going to think of something. Um, take the pressure off the parent association. We'll do it ourselves and we'll see what happens. And then during the summer we were talking and one of my older boys said, why don't you just do swimming? So Hunter decided then that he wanted to swim for a month. So we organized it and here we are. We're swimming for November. <laughs> of all the months, like, do you know? Yeah, I mean, not ideal, but um, I suppose it's a bit of, bit more of a challenge. Um, and people have been absolutely like the people turning up to go swimming with him even is, it's fabulous, like, yeah. it's really fabulous, like. So where do you go every day? Um, we go out to Cuscany. Right. That's our spot, beautiful spot, like you couldn't go wrong. I mean, we're in Cove, we could go to White Point as well. We've Glenmore, we've Marlogue, you know, like we actually have. Yes. Um, such a choice and like an easy fundraiser when you live so near the sea. Um, but Cuscany is our spot, all right. Yeah, it's a lovely spot. I swam there once, but I did it in July. Do you know what I mean? And it is beautiful in July, but the waters don't change much. I'll tell you that. It's as cold in July as it is right now. The only thing that changes is the, the weather, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So how? what's the plan? What, there's a GoFundMe running as well. What? What's the target? Well, the target was 600 because uh, it's such a small school and um, just I've, I've fundraised before for the school. I've been on the Parents Association and uh, it's a very small community school. So like raising any amount of money is always going to be hard. We're not like the big schools where you can have, you know, one fundraiser and you raise a thousand euro. So we said, even if we get the tops, we'll aim for about 600 euro. We get the tops. And then it went past 600 euros. So now we can get the shorts and it's gone well past a thousand euros. So he said he, they could definitely do it with some tennis rackets. So I think when he goes into school in the morning, he will be the number one student when Moon Tour Deglon finds out he can 
probably replace all the sports equipment in the school. <laughs> We're not even at the 10th of November yet and the target has gone out the window completely. It's gone so- out the window. Like we are, like I'm genuinely, like we're blown away. He got up this morning and it's nearly at 2,000 euro and he's nearly fainting. That's like amazing. we just can't, like genuinely we can't believe it. And we, like we've been on midterm so like the school community kind of don't even fully know about it yet, you know, because we said we'll wait a week, we'll get it out on the school app then when we have a week down, but we're just blown away. People are sharing it. And as I said, like we have people uh, messaging saying, when are you swimming tomorrow? Can we come out to you? So we have a big gang coming out from yeah. the Rushwood Growing Club with us. And, you know, it's just, it's brilliant. Like the, the atmosphere and everything. You're obviously watching the tide for the safest time of the day and all that to go yeah, through, which is um, great. Yeah. The ideal time is an hour or kind of before or after high tide. Um, obviously, we won't be going swimming if we've any status oranges or anything. Yeah. But that will just have to be a, a double swim someday if that happens. But so far, so good. It was like a summer's day there yesterday and the day before. It was absolutely beautiful out and, there. And, and how long does he spend in the water? As long as he can get away with it. <laughs> I see. Put me on to him there for a second. I will. Here you go, Hunter. Hi, Hunter. How are you, bud? Good. So, is it very cold? Yeah. And you don't mind the cold, no? No. No. Why did you want to do this, Hunter? For a school. Yeah, to raise money for your school. And you've raised a whole lot of money, more than you even thought you could. Yeah. Good man. Good man. I think you, you prefer to do your talking in the water. I think that's probably the best thing. You're going to keep going until the end of the month? Yes, I am. Good man. Put me back on to mum there. <laughs> As I said to him there, I think he does his talking in the water, which is fine. <laughs> That's fantastic. Cloda, you're 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 not without your own fame yourself. Um someone tells me you were working in let me get this right now. You were working in Thompson's before it was even Thompson's, but it was always Thompson's, wasn't it? I wasn't, but my grandfather was. Right. And my my aunts and my my mom and I worked there, yeah. yeah. So how did you get into baking? Was it as a child? As a child, yeah. We grew up around it um, every day. Every single day my mother was baking. <laughs> yeah. Um, she loved it. She passed it on. And actually Hunter is quite an avid baker himself. <laughs> I have four kids and I've been waiting for the fourth to come along to love baking and he absolutely loves it. He makes a mean coffee cake. Nice bit of coffee cake when you come in off the water is very handy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your own speciality is Chester's, I think, is it? Chester cakes, it is, yeah. Now, tell me something. Is Chester cake and donkey's gudge the same thing? Because I don't think they are. I think it depends on who you talk to. Yeah. It's like um, the the, vesp- the recipes vary so much just yeah. from town to town in Cork. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but like I've heard people call it that. I've heard people call it Northside Wedding Cake. <laughs> It's it's a weird one, all right, yeah. You've you've got a Facebook page in all for it, haven't you? I did for a while. Um uh, it was it's it's flying like I have a couple of regular people who who get it off me and from kinda of all over Cork and they might buy a big slab and freeze it and they get back onto me then a month or uh, six weeks later and order another slab. So you can, you can freeze bad. it. Oh yeah, you can absolutely freeze it. I never knew that. I know a lot of people who are freezing it. Yeah, they'd buy a slab and they freeze and they pull it out as they want it. Would you sell much of it now? Would you make much of it now coming up to Christmas? Christmas time, people buy it for presents, imagine. So I would probably make a bit like, I'll make a bit. I'd make them for presents anyway. It's a grand one. 
Okay. Everyone gets a poster cake off me for Christmas. What goes into that? Because I remember when you'd go in, when I was a boy, you'd go in, you'd get the donkey's gudge, maybe 50 pence. What goes into it exactly? I couldn't tell you that, no. <laughs> my mother, my head. Uh, it's a family recipe passed down, but it's, um, it's a posh Chester cake. I would call her as a posh Chester cake. Right. Well, you could tell me, but she'd have to kill me, like. Absolutely. She'd have my head for it. I'll only be allowed to pass that down to the children. Well, good luck to young man Hunter. God knows now what the, what the target is. The sky is the limit here. The sky is the limit. Like We are absolutely blown away by the support of people. Um, as I said, not just with the donations, but like coming out to cheer them on, actually getting in the water, people who probably don't normally do it. Um, as I said, we have a few coming out tomorrow. Um, so fingers crossed we'll blow it out of the water and the, the Gwesgal will be absolutely thrilled. Over 2,000 now, and you thought you'd get 600, and we're not even at the 10th of November. We can't. We just, we, we're sitting down, and every time a donation comes in, we're going, what is going on? How is this happening? But as someone said to me yesterday, what we think is normal, like going down for a swim, like most people think we're mad. So I, so I suppose there's a bit of that in it, that they're going, okay, you're absolutely mad. It might be normal to you, but it's not normal to us. But we love it. He loves it. Hunter. What? Do you know what, I, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you 50 quid for your fund. How's that? Great. <laughs> what do you say? Thanks. 50, 50 euro going into your fund. You're a brave young man of the cold water of Cork Harbour. And I'll pop that in before the end of the month. All right. Okay. Germil Magus. More than welcome. Fault your own. Germil Magus to everybody who's supporting us. And uh, we might see you out in Cuscany during the month. Not in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Slon. Bye, bye, bye. No, I, I, and you know, I wish I was brave enough. I, the, the latest in the year I've ever done it, and I did it only last September. Is it? It won't just gone by there. I was down swimming in Loch Ine in West Cork in September, and it was lovely. But the thoughts of getting into Cuskini and in November. No, thanks. No, 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 no. Keep it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. It's Grail Skull E. Egertig is at Hunter's school. He's raised more than he ever planned, and he this today is only the seventh of November, and he's gone and he's already raised over two grand. Be interesting to catch up at the end of the month and see how much they actually get to. If you want to follow Hunter Halpin's daily pursuits in Cuskini, and the little videos go up every day. His mum opened a Facebook page called Dan Splunk, as in make a splash. Dan Splunk, D-E-N-S-P-L-A-N-C. You'll find it on Facebook. The videos have been going into the water every day. <laughs> oh, 0818 96 96 96. Seven weeks today, lads, is St. Stephen's Day. I know, I know, it's closing in like seven weeks today is St. Stephen's Day. And we'll be right in the middle of panto season. One of the biggest nights of the year, actually, is Stevens' night in terms of a panto. Um, but uh, in early December, a panto you mightn't have thought of, a bilingual one, a bit of fun and learning on Tionga, a renowned Kiana. Ashling, this Murgat. Hello, how are you? Hi. Tell me more about Stacey Idirnanog. Morning. Good morning. So, yeah, Stacey and Dear Nanog will take place in Actors Vision on Patrick's Key on the 10th and the 11th of December. We have a matinee and evening show each night. 
It's a bilingual canto written by Anton O'Dooling, which is heavily influenced by Oshin Nadirnanog, but also has a bit of influence from The Wizard of Oz as well. So, yeah, it should be a load of fun. Who's putting it together? So, Koshley Productions are putting it together. I am the artistic director and one of the co-founders of the company. It's a bilingual production company based in Cork City. And our main aim is to promote and support the Irish language arts in the city. Mm-hmm. Now, it's in the Actual Vision Centre. Is that a is that a big venue? Where, where can people it's, get tickets? Yeah, so it's quite it's quite an intimate venue, um, and it's lovely. It's actually the first production that's going to be taking place in the location, um, which is very exciting. And people can get their tickets on Eventbrite, and they are very limited. So I'd suggest getting there sooner rather than later. Okay, it's very reasonable, priced at 12 and 8 for kids. And around December 10th, 2 and 7, December 11th, 2 and 7. So four performances. Ashling, good luck with it. Great, thanks a million. Cheers, that's Ashling Dirnanog, a bilingual uh, panto in December, um, put on by Koshley Productions. Thanks, Ashling. 0818 96 96 96. Tickets on sale for that day. Actually, you know what I will do? There will be loads and loads of pantos. Isn't it great? For two Christmases, we either didn't have them or last year we thought we'd have them and then we ended up having to rearrange loads of them at the last minute with all these restrictions that came in. So, what I'm going to do, right? The lads outside are looking at me now going, What's he going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. If you have a panto coming up anywhere, in the city or the county that we don't know about. We all know about the big ones. We'll all be involved once again. Delight to be involved with the Everyman, the Opera House Level Panto and all the other places. If there's a little panto in your local hall at any stage, just let me know and I'll give it a mention. Now, we won't do a whole pile on any of them, but we'll give them a mention. So there's loads of pantos on, okay, around the city and county. And it'd be lovely just to mention what's on and where, okay? So it's up to you. I'm going to throw it out for you. Opinion at 96fm.ie and just market pantos and we'll mention them as we come closer to the end of the year. Also something else that happens between Christmas and New Year. Yes, I am talking about it seven weeks out because now we start working on it. It's between Christmas and New Year. We put together a couple of shows for those holiday days where we look back on some of the best bits of the opinion line during the year. Not necessarily even the best bits, just the most memorable bits. The bits that we think deserve another listen. And if there's anything in particular from the last 12 months that you thought deserves another listen or you'd like just to hear it again for your own, you know, let me know. Opinion at 96fm.ie and we'll be putting those together uh, to go out between Christmas and New Year. We did them last year and we do them again this year. We call them Rewind 22 and they'll be on in the days between Christmas and New Year. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Cork's 96FM. Mick says, I was parked on the monkey maze side by the auto factors for five minutes recently. I came out and I got clamped. It was during school hours. Monkey maze was empty. Oh, clampers about. There should be a clamp... Should I give the lads an idea in the morning? A clamper alert. If you see a clamper van, let the world know. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. You've seen these videos. A young lad from Mayfield, half a million views on TikTok, singing along uh, with Corey Power uh, in the streets of Cork City. It's it's fun actually. Um, uh, 
he, he, so Corey, you're there in your buskin, right? And, and this young lad comes up and joins you and you put it up on TikTok and it's gone demented. Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Good. Who had, did you even know this little lad? I didn't, to be honest. Um, I was just busking, do my thing, what I do on most weekends in Cork. Yes. And uh, I was singing a song uh, by Coldplay, Fix You. And um, he was watching me from the audience. And the moment he came over, um, he had star charisma straight away. And um, yeah, he said, that's his favourite song in the whole world. Yeah. And uh, the next thing uh, we did, um, let's get down to business by um, Tiesto. Yeah. And the minute he just started, it's like he, it's like he's ahead of his time. It's like, uh, I, I meet a lot of kids on the streets, don't get me wrong, but this kid stood out to me. I didn't expect the video to take off as much as it did, yeah. to be quite honest. They're taking uh, off and they're taking off. Like, you use TikTok a lot. You like it. I was talking a couple of weeks ago with Keen Ducrow about his break yeah. into the top 10 in the UK. And it all started for Keen on, on TikTok. TikTok. Let's talk a bit, a bit about that. For, for, for musicians and buskers trying to get a start, it's a brilliant place. Yes, yes. So up to just, I say up to a year ago, I pretty had much no following, but since I joined TikTok, um, in a way, it is starting to change my life. I'm at nearly 400,000 followers now in the year. That's from busking videos, um, but that's also from doing my own music as well, yeah. which is great. Re- recently, I, I got two number ones on the Irish charts. They went straight to number one, and a year ago, without TikTok, none of this would have been possible for me. So in a way, it does change your life slowly, gradually. Yeah. And as we've seen with Do Crow taking off with that song, says a lot. Why is it that TikTok has worked so well for musicians trying to break through? Uh, to be honest, I think people love... Um, they, they love watching things that can happen less to a, less to well a year ago you used to only post less than a minute on TikTok now I think you can go up to 10 minutes yes well I remember last year when I started posting little clips of me singing or in the streets of Cork uh, people just love interacting and watching videos and watching um, you know just people just shine and do their thing um, it, it's crazy how it all is starting to take off but um I'm forever blessed for the yeah. for the app and for for other musicians. It can really gradually change your life. Yeah, because I mean, they've in, in their own way, all the various platforms have their own following and their own uses, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. They've they've all got a following. But for some reason, with regard to and like you said, with the extension of the video time now, like you can put a whole song or maybe even two songs, then you can uh, exit. You know. Yeah, exactly. You can even advertise. You can even, I think for, I always say to musicians, uh, I know certain people don't like all this TikTok thing, especially if you're a musician, I would say jump on the wave. You'd be surprised how much your music can uh, take off because um, it's done it for me, but not just me, my friends as well. And uh, as you said, we used to hang around with Kean uh, Boskin years ago, yeah. and uh, it kind of gives me kind of hope as well to see where he's at. So um, oh, yeah. I like that, you know. Well, there was a time and when I started out in this business when when someone had a new song someone like yourself they they made loads of tapes as it were then and they threw them yeah. in the window of this radio station and that radio station hand them this DJ and that DJ and you played them and you might play them on the air and you might not that's how it was done every so often one cassette or another got big whoa god listen to that those days are gone yeah. now now that's what you do you go on TikTok and somebody will pick your music up yeah, exactly. Like um, 
as you said, I'm in the, I'm in the studio a lot, and everybody who's actually doing it on TikTok these days are pretty much doing it in their own home studio. Yes, right. Apparently, like the last number, uh, the last few number ones on the Billboard, even America, is all done in a home studio, like yeah. without any production team, which is quite crazy when you think about it. Well, if you look, I mean, lockdown was what started all that. People put their gear in the corner of the bedroom, hung up some soft furnishings and some some rugs on the wall, yeah. and there you had a studio, and then you had TikTok, and before you know it, I was talking to someone recently is on two Spotify Spotify new music playlists. Because of stuff they're doing yeah. in their bedroom. It's, it really is huge. You've d- been doing this thing for a couple of years. I, I think I saw yourself and Dylan Brickley a couple of Christmases ago doing stuff for Penny Dinners at Christmas. You're doing that again yeah. this year? Yeah, this year we'll be doing it sometime in December. Last year we did it. Um, we did it last Christmas. Uh, we got rained off, but in the space of two hours, we raised very good money for um, Penny Dinners and... Uh, it's kind of like an annual thing now where we try to just give back because, you know, the city looks after us through the whole year. And um, I think it's very good to give back to people, especially like a, a well-respected organisations like Penny Dinners. So that's what we'll be doing sometime mid-Christmas. If any musicians want to come down on the day and sing some songs and raise money towards a good cause, please come down. Well, let me know when it's on and we'll, we'll certainly let the whole of Cork know about it and, and put some of it on TikTok as well because, you know, yourself. Come here. Yeah. The, 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 the young lad was very aware, coming back to him, um, the, the, the young chap. Well, tell, tell people the story about the sandwich because this is a really, I mean, he's only a, only a little lad and he's so aware. Yeah, yeah. I was um, So basically, he seen me eating me sandwich um, from Centra and he was like, um, uh, I was like, um, he goes, your sandwich looks lovely. And I was like, uh, would you like a bite? And he's like, no, I can't take a a, stra- a, a sandwich, stranger. Do you know what I mean? Stranger sandwich. So uh, it was uh, it was quite funny. He's well wise for his age. I, I will tell you that much. That's that's what made him stood out. Yeah. Definitely. He just, he's ahead of the game. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Listen, Corey, we'll talk again. Keep in touch. And who knows, because we had, we had Kean on here uh, last week, the week before, when he broke into the top ten. Who knows, the next one to break into the top ten via TikTok could well be Corey Power. Go back yourself, and we'll talk. When you set that thing up with Dylan, let us know, and we'll push it as best we can. Corey Power, uh, all over TikTok, you'll find him. 0818969696. Thank you for that, sir. Now, we have loads of correspondence to get through, and not half enough time to do it but I'm going to run through it as best I can first of all we were talking to Wyon Stansfield about this thing in in England where they have said that at junior matches now the Football Association have said just polite clapping let's not have any cheering or any shouting Kevin said that the same issues getting and retaining referees as we do over there and that's a huge part of it see it firsthand the abuse that refs get even at under 8s it only takes one gobble-lot to think... I love that. Gobble-lot to think he's the next pep and it's a revolving door for the refs. I think it's the right thing to do. What boils me up is the notion that you're woke because that's it. Yeah, I know, I know. It's just a new idea to try and calm it down a bit, Kev, I guess. On the buses, the Kinsale bus, the meeting tonight in the Temperance Hall in Kinsale, half past seven, to discuss the future of the 226 and what is going to happen and what is not happening. And talking to Damien from West Cork Connects, and he was telling me they have a licence to run a Kinsale route all the way up to the airport. But because of a problem with the county council and 
Ballonhassig and a bus stop. They can't do it just yet. But they have a license and they can do it tomorrow. And put on as many coaches as you want. I'm talking to, to Damien about something. Jimmy says, Bus Aaron should hand the Kinsale service to real professionals. The likes of the company running Cove connect with a fabulous service. Always stand by buses there immediately in case the first bus is full. If the Kinsale bus is full, then forget about Belgooley, forget about Riverstick. It'll just drive, by, drive past. No standby and no explanation. I used to use that service going to see my in-laws, but you could never depend on it. Well, that was what Damien was saying from West Cork. They have a license to operate that route. Ready to go on it if they need it, but there's no bus stop in Ballonhasig. Even though the county council, this is the best bit, the county council have said, yeah, you can have a bus stop. There you are. That's exactly where it goes. But they haven't got it yet. 0818 96 96 96. On the schools merger, and this is going to get bigger before it before it goes away at all, this merger of St. Vincent's. And my daughter's in second year in the Lear Hub. We visited lots of schools in sixth class, and this was the school we felt would best be suited to her. Since going into first year, the care and support she received experienced teachers has been first rate. She has thrived and she is thriving. She has found her tribe. Since the announcement of the merger, she is devastated. Why are they closing a good school that's won lots of awards? Ironically, it was the first secondary school in Ireland to get the UNICEF Gold Award for the rights of children. And now the rights of parents, staff and pupils are being ignored. At the weekend, the staff won another award for excellence in education. Why close a thriving and award-winning school? This isn't about co-ed or amalgamation. This is more about why they're closing a school that's supporting autistic girls at the highest level and the highest standard. Why are they closing a school that has a thriving and a happy school community? Why are they closing a school building that is fit for purpose and sending the girls to be educated in prefabs? Yeah. So much in that message, and they're still coming in. On the organ retention, we're talking to um, to the couple in, in Australia, to uh, to Finton and to Laura, about their story. Uh, Emer says, I couldn't stop crying listening to Hope's parents speaking from Perth, the hurt and anger in their voices. And Kevin says, it's almost a pattern now with every state scandal down the decades. Say nothing. Apologise for nothing until you're shamed into it. Take your pick. The pattern is there, but there's a report. That's the default. Wait for the report. Wait and wait and wait. And it's not exclusive to Ireland. Every government is the same across all spectrums of political persuasions. And as I told you, at the top of the programme, we had dozens and dozens of messages with regard to the protest at CUMH yesterday, where nearly 900 people turned up to protest at the changes in the rules uh, regarding uh, home births and we're literally inundated also with some stuff and a long email which I will come to on the programme tomorrow a very long email about IVF and people's story with regard to IVF and that came in on the back of Tracy do you remember Tracy was talking to me last week on the opinion about her own story uh, about trying to have a baby uh, solo as it were, and how she's waiting to know if it's going to work for her and she'll know in a couple of weeks. We had another lengthy email uh, on the back of that one, which I'll get to. We have just so much correspondence, but haven't had time to get to it. I will do the best I can throughout the course of the week. The programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine. You guys-
Drive Home weekdays from 4 on Cork's 96FM. Okay, so it's November. I think it's finally time that we should be allowed to talk about the C word. Christmas. Oh, sorry, don't know what happened there. Christmas. Okay, I won't mention it. However, all this week on the show, I've got details on the 10k toy giveaway. An amazing prize that the smallies in your life are gonna love. And it's just in time for Christmas. Alright, fine. December. I'll tell you more every day this week from 4. The Big Drive Home. With Kevin O'Leary, Silver Springs. The new home for Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96FM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.